When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I want to thank our sponsor, Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Look, their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and they achieve this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron has established partnerships at over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranches across the U.S. And as a result, their seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals. Produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, they are reducing food waste. Look, cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot at restaurants at high or high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Their upcoming meals are seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers, creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges, fresh basil fettuccine pasta with sweet corn, and cubanelle pepper, as well as chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. I'm telling you guys, me and my girl, we have Blue Apron Night, and it is the best night of the week. Uh, she's impressed by my cooking. I'm impressed with her cooking. It's, it's gr- a great date night. It's affordable for less than $10 per person per meal. Blue Apron delivers uh, seasonable recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. They got variety. You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. I love surprises, and they're flexible. I'm telling you, customize your recipes each week based on your preferences, and it's easy. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe, and pre-portioned ingredients can be prepared in 40 minutes or less, and it's guaranteed. They guarantee freshness, and I'm telling you, every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook, or they'll make it right. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash MMA roast. You'll love how good it feels, how good it tastes, and be able to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash MMA roast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter. I'm here with the fight professor, Steve Quadros. It is an honor to have you. My cat is right in front of the camera. Uh, how are you, man? What's going on? I'm good. I'm just dodging the weather. You know, it's a little cooler today with a slight chance of who knows what. Yeah. You know. Which is good. Yeah. How long have you lived in California for? My whole life. Um, other than the times I traveled to Japan or Europe or Beijing or the Middle East, you know, um... Yeah, Northern California, Santa Cruz born, and Salinas graduated, uh, barely. And uh, I was actually hung over um, uh, for my graduation. I was just talking about that the other day to a friend of mine. And uh, I tried to dr- drink a fifth of Jack Daniels the night before. I, I was young and experimenting. Right. You know. Did you ever think when you were like calling those pride fights and working that MMA would be what it is now? Um... I wish I could. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But no, no. I who knew? I mean, we were just having a fun, a good time, rolling with the, the punches and the soccer kicks at, at the time. And uh, 
it, it was it, we boss and I kind of knew that we were at the top of something, but we didn't quite know what. Uh, as a matter of fact, before every show, like let's say at the Tokyo Dome, we'd go all the way up in the, into the top seat about three hours before the show when the place was be empty, and we'd just sit there and kind of like meditate and think, "Look at this, man! Look where we're at! Look, look at this thing!" It's crazy. All the fighters I talked to that fought in Pride still say that the Japanese fans were so much better than the American fans. Just, just they, they just said that they were like it was a whole different experience. Uh, like they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't boo. You know, if they didn't like someone, maybe they'd be silent. But they were just much more proper. But when they liked someone, they would just get behind them like like no other. It was very much like have you ever seen the movie The Stepford Wives? Uh, no, I have not seen it's, it's actually about ro- robot people that, that are, do everything completely correctly and they don't ever curse. They don't ever. Anyway, it, w- it was a thing where I remember one time Rico Rodriguez was fighting Gary Goodrich and it was really quiet and they were clinched up and everything. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, and it surprised me because Rico was a jujitsu guy all the way back then, he threw a back kick and I went, oh my God! I started going crazy, yeah. going nuts. And he, he and Gary turned and looked at me and then. I, later on, when I interviewed him, I said, what were you thinking? I was, I was waiting for you to give me instructions, Stephen. Yeah. Because it was so quiet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, they could actually hear you guys. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Like, uh, by the way, Gary Goodrich um, recently on Twitter said that guy, he goes, I'm not ho- a homosexual. Stop sending me dick pics uh, to guys. And, uh, which, uh, first of all, who's sending Gary Good? Like, out of all the people That's that, right. like, totally gay random, guys or, 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 or anybody is sending dick pics to, like, why Gary Goodrich? Uh, that's, that's, it's crazy. Like, but, but then, of course, when you say, I'm not homosexual, it makes you seem like, I don't know, homophobic or whatever. And then people are now going to send him dick pics. Have you ever uh, seen that, that comedy skit from uh, Funny or Die called No Homo? Yes, where, where the guys are sitting around watching an MMA fight, and the guy, yeah, dude, get on, ground his ass, pound his ass, and the and the guy's sitting there going, dude, just because you say no homo at the end, the stuff you're saying is totally gay. Right, you know? right, right. I, I find that there's a lot of homophobia, let's yeah. say, in the fight game. And uh, I'll share a story. Uh, one time when I was commentating with Pride, and I came home, and I, there was a girl I was dating, and she, she said, I want to see what you do. So we went back to my place, and I put on a fight. It was like Vandalay fighting some guy, and here they had really tight. Valley Tudo shorts on and then they went to the ground and they're rolling around she starts laughing I turn to her and look at her and I go what? she goes mm-hmm. I, so we watched this some more and she started laughing I go what? what? she goes this is so gay yeah and, and I thought oh my god if somebody didn't understand what was going on but my, my thing is let's say a lot of the people that say oh I don't like MMA because I like gay porn and me personally haven't seen a gay porn I'm going to you know, defer right. to their expertise on the subject yeah. and I, I, I tell people that have that opinion if you feel that you're going to get an erection by <laughs> grappling with another guy then maybe you shouldn't do it right maybe you shouldn't maybe yeah, you, yeah. Should maybe you yeah. shouldn't um, there, there was a yeah no that, that, that's funny actually I was dreaming the other night I had a dream the other night and I was, uh, I was coaching wrestling in my dream Uh-oh. and I was like uh, I'm no. like come on Carlos push harder push harder Carlos and, and my wife was like woke me up so who's Carlos what are you doing I'm like I'm coaching I'm coaching and then and then I, was, I realized where I was uh-huh. but it was just funny like she thought I was having gay sex with a guy named Carlos because uh-huh. I was saying push keep, keep going Carlos <laughs> but uh, that, that is a true story that 100% happened um, I just got back from Naples uh, Florida you ever in Naples no, I've been close to Naples, Italy, but not Naples. Yeah, no, Florida, Naples, Florida. Yeah. Beautiful Naples. Yeah. So so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met some guy. There was a guy after my show. I was selling T-shirts after my show, and a guy came up to me with this do- a service dog, a beautiful gold retriever, and was like, I named the dog after you, uh, Hunter. And I was like, oh, yeah, right. No, that's funny. Your dog's name is Hunter. You didn't name it after me. He goes, no, no, no. 
you performed for my troops in the Middle East about five years ago, and you made us all laugh, and, and, and it was the best. So I named the dog after you. Oh, so I was like, man, like that. I have never been more flattered and humbled, and like that really put me in a, a great mood. I never had a dog named after That's me. Not, yeah, no, I've, I've never had a dog named after me. I, uh, who knows? I mean, I've got nicknames thrown at me, bad ones. Not not the fight professor, but other ones. When you're growing up, you know, in teen years. Yeah. Hunter, you know, who knows? Did they call you anything? Like, Well, my real name is Adam Greenberg. I actually took the name Adam Hunter as a stage name because it was a kid I used to work with who had cancer, and I, I volunteered. It's a whole story. But it's not even my name. But my nickname in high school was Greeny. Like, cause mm. the Greenberg, Greeny was like, that was my name. Like when I wrestled, everyone's like, Greeny, Greeny. That was the, yeah, so. I, I got Q-Man. I got Quaaludros, you know, which I thought was kind of handy, you know, yeah. I guess. Quaaludros. That's not Qua- bad. Quaalude. Qua- yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, kind of handy. Yeah, if you're Bill Cosby, sure, why not? Uh, I'm sure his nickname was Quaaludros as well. Uh, but so that was cool. The, the shows in Naples were great. Um, and then uh, actually uh, there was a, I, when I when I first got there, it was, it was crazy. I got off the plane, and there was like all these high school girls on the plane with me. Like they're the high school, I don't know, some maybe some kind of soccer team or volleyball mm-hmm. team, young girls. And I get off, the, I get off the plane, and this woman starts yelling at this man to a cop. That guy was touching my girls on the plane. His hands were all over them. And the cop was like, "Oh, well, I I don't know what." The cop didn't know what to do. The guy then starts like the guy was like a maybe 50, 60-year-old guy mm-hmm. that starts like making a beeline out of there. But that was just, that was insane. Oh. Uh, I, the cop didn't arrest him, but it was, it was I mean, she was screaming. Mm-hmm. So that was like after like nine hours of traveling, I get that. And then I go to rent a car mm-hmm. and I go to rent a car and uh, the place that I was going to rent it at was like off and that was closed. So I go to, I go to Hertz. I, I, I like go online and I, yeah, I, I reserve the car, and, you know, because you always get it. It's always cheaper online. Oh, yeah. Well, so then I, I go there, and the guy, it was like 250 for the week or something, and the guy's like, you know, next time, ask, after I pay for it, he goes, next time, ask me, because I could have got you a better deal. And I'm like, why are you telling me this after? Like, Yeah, why don't you avoid the deal and redo it? That's what I said. I go, well, can you please avoid, he goes, oh, I can't do that now. I, I go, well, what if I don't want the car? He goes, well, I can't. So I'm like, do you, do you think, do you think he lifted weights, you know, in his part time? I, I don't know what he did, but he, I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me! You I just stand up, Rooster. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm a, yeah, okay, Sergeant. Sergeant. Like what? Like why tell me now? Yeah, exactly. What the? F- that's like I, that's crazy. It's like after sex, a girl's like, oh, by the way, I like I would have given you the best blowjob ever, but you know, you, or just something. Like, no, what do you mean? Like after you nut, it's just she lays there. Yeah. Or, or, whatever it is, it was horrible. So that was uh, that was that. The shows themselves, uh, it, it, they, they were fun. They were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was just, it's always like it's just funny. Like you know. The whole night, the whole week, I'm feeling like I'm like the greatest uh, comic ever. You know, like mm-hmm. I just, people were telling me, like people were giving me money. Like someone gave me like a $50 tip. People telling me I haven't laughed like that in 30 years. I was crying. Thank you. Just like, you know, and then there's always one person. There's always that one. Uh, and this one like wrote me, wrote me a letter after my show. So a- after the Sunday show, I get back to the hotel. I'm getting ready to go back. I'm like, you know what? This is, this is you know, I'm gonna, I just had a great week and this and this. This woman, her, it said, not a fan. That was the, that was the title of the email. Oh, not a fan. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? So then she writes me like this whole thing about, you know, by the way, and this was a woman 
that was like sitting in the front row and her English was not her first language. Uh-oh. And then she was just kind of judging and like shaking her head the whole time. She goes, I don't think you might care about what I have to say, but I'll say it anyways. You should clean up your comedy from time to time. Some people don't really care if your sexual life is a joke. Um, there's a lot of jokes out there and life itself is, has many humorous things that happen constantly. If you don't have the gift to see that, you should do something else. Or at least present yourself to the people for, uh, who enjoy listening to your poor performance. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. I like comedy, not porn. So that's what she fucking write. First of all, if you think my comedy's porn, you're watching the wrong porn. Because mm-hmm. I, I watch some pretty good porn, and you know, when I want to jerk off, I'm not putting on my comedy set. So like, that's let's 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 be. And second of all, like you sat through the whole show, and then afterwards you complain. It's like so that was like that. But it's always it's like with me, it still got to me, even though it didn't. It shouldn't have got to me. Uh, it did, you know. It is, there's always that one. It's like you make a hundred people laugh, but then that one person. Mm-hmm. But you know. But then someone else said, like, you know, Colin Quinn's like, if you're making everyone laugh all the time, you're doing something wrong. You know. Uh, you know, Rich Voss is always like. There's always people that are not gonna like what you do, and. Uh, but it was just funny because I was like, I, th- I, you know, thought I had the greatest week. Uh, people on on Twitter and then, te- you know, I haven't laughed like that in years. This and that. Thank you. I got a fucking dog named after me. And, and then of course, the not a fan. I'm just like, oh. And, and that dumped your whole week, right? It put you totally behind the eight ball and on your heels, and you had to deal with it because Adam, you're a sensitive guy. You're an artist. Yeah, I know. It was just, uh, yeah, I did a little bit. I did it got to me, and I, I forwarded to it to like a couple people, and they kind of like, you know. But then. It was weird because I was working with a girl named Sheba Mason, whose father is Jackie Mason. Sheba. Sheba's her the, the daughter, okay. and Jackie Mason's the father. Jackie, Ma- the Jackie, the Mason? Jackie Mason. The- but he was a terrible father to her. He like he never even like uh, he I guess the he he, he 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 like never claimed they had a paternity test. Which which the 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 the, the mother won. It was ninety nine point nine. It was one of those things where like and then. Um, and then it was one of those things where finally, like, so the mother wrote a musical about be about having a daughter with Jackie Mason, and then having and not having him claim her. And then he tried to get the musical taken off, and it was still it was this whole thing. Um, but anyway, Sheba Mason's mom said that she used to tra- tra- travel with Jackie all the time, and there was always one person that told him what he was doing wrong. And but you know, always. So every comic gets it. And then I, re- I was reading this thing, Ricky Gervais, another th- another person who like I look up to. So anyway. Ricky Gervais is he's he's the guy. He's the cutting edge. He's like the the guy that's really pushed it to the edge. Oh yeah, but he doesn't go over that edge, in my opinion. And sometimes you do go over the edge, and that's just like what happens so uh who's a guy by the way back to back to you and like your pride who, days who's a guy that you looked at uh who you thought was going to be the world champ forever and then didn't uh like uh, like 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 a like a soka was there like a was when did you call bob saps fights yes i called bob saps fights when he first came and i, I tell you what when bob sap first came to pride and he was training with matt hume he was training with josh barnett maurice smith and he was training. He was in the gym all the time. He wasn't doing all the commercials and everything that he was doing later with K1. He was a serious force. And after Noguera fought him, I, I asked on Rodrigo. I said, Rodrigo, look, Bob Sapp. I mean, almost did the piles. We thought we were going to have our first death. We were really yeah. afraid of that, that match. Um, he said, what do you think is going to happen with Bob Sapp? He goes, oh, no, he will definitely be, be the king. He will definitely be the one that nobody can beat. But 
what happened was K1 grabbed Bob Sapp, realized they had a huge hit. He became this you know freak show thing where he's this big guy beat Hoost a couple times, who was the K1 three-time champion. And they, they took him out of the gym and get, made him do, I think it was 100 commercials in one year. Oh, so wow. guess what? You're not going to be training. You're not yeah. going to learn how to turn your punches over, how to block takedowns and things like this. So Bob started to get beat. But at that time, Bob Sapp, honestly, and people might laugh, oh, he's a, because now he's kind of a la- laughing stock in the game because he, he he doesn't like getting hit and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, no nobody in, in their mi- right mind really likes to get hit. I mean, yeah. Do you like get, getting hit? No. Of course yeah. Not. Hey, I like to get hit. Really? Yeah. No. And then you're not very smart. But Bob Sapp, I think, was one of them. Another one that was a great fighter and a, a legend in Brazil. But when he came to Pride, lost two fights was Jose Pele Landi, who was an absolute crusher in Brazil. He won like at least four tournaments with Bally Tudor rules with head busts and everything. And he fought like three guys in one night and all this kind of stuff. No gloves allowed, 30-minute rounds, the whole thing. And then when he came to Pride, he lost to Matsui and he lost to Carlos Newton. And then, you know, it, it didn't work out from there. So that kind of surprised me too because I really thought he was going to be following the footsteps of Igor Vovchanchin and uh, Fedor Emelianenko. But like, what were you? Did you call the Sakuraba fights when he beat the Gracies? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> those were nuts because at the time, I mean, come on, the Gracies Hoist had beaten all these guys, won three tournaments. You know, Hickson was this cloud that was shattering over everybody, and he came to the first Pride and he beat Takata, who's a pro wrestler. But at first, Hickson didn't want to take that fight because he said, "If I take this fight and I beat you, you do fixed fights. People are going to see it was fixed." But then they finally got him in to sign on the dotted line. I'm sure he got paid, or whatever, and he won. But when Sakuraba beat Hoyler, that was like the the bait to try and get one of the other guys. And then came Hoist, then came Henzo, and then came Hyen. And it was like a thing where Sakuraba was just going through everybody. It was a right-style matchup because Sakuraba was kind of like the anti-jujitsu because it was a catch wrestler. But the thing was, everybody thought, he's a pro wrestler, he can't, he's, a, he's a shitty fighter, he can't fight. But no, you're wrong because Sakuraba became a legend. The irony was, and now Sakuraba gets inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, only has one and one record, though. So to me, that's a little strange. What, in the UFC, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know, which is why this Hall of Fame thing is like, also, if you don't, if like, the it's UFC political. doesn't like you. It's very political. Like, Tito Ortiz should be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, I think, isn't is, is he? Is he? Isn't I think, he, I think he, is? he is, but Frank Shamrock isn't. Shang- and Frank Shamrock was undefeated, and he, and he stopped every guy he fought. He either knocked him out or submitted every single fighter he fought, and he was dominant. He never fought a non-title fight. His first fight in the UFC was a title fight against Kevin Jackson, won by armbar in like 20 seconds or 30 right. seconds or something. And then he crushed everybody. He fought, yet he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I'm thinking, what's the criteria for the UFC? Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, Sakuraba surely deserves to be in an MMA Hall of Fame. There's no question about it, maybe in the top two or three guys. But to put him in the UFC Hall of Fame, it sends kind of a... a like the, then I think Randleman should be in it, if if if, if, if yeah. that right? Kevin? Yeah. yeah, because Kevin was UFC champion. Right. You know, I mean, he, he legitimately was. He won the you know heavyweight title eventually. I mean, would, he lost it. Were you, did you call the fight when he knocked out Krokop? No, that was after. Okay. That was after I left. But that was a, a big shock because at that time, Krokop was killing everybody. People thought, because stand-up fighting hadn't really progressed yet in MMA to the level where K-1 fighters or real championship boxers who learned how to defend takedowns were coming in yet. That wasn't happening. But Krokop was the closest thing that we had. And that left kick, oh my God. When he kicked Heath Herring in the ribs, Boston and I looked at each other and we just about started crying for Heath. He's had a, a crazy career, Heath Herring, because you look yeah. at some of the guys he beat. Uh, and Sean McCorkle... And Matt Mitrione still tell me the guy they train with, uh, 
uh, out in Indiana. I forgot the guy's name. Well, I, I know the guy's name. Heath Herring beat him by mm-hmm. a knee. But he, they tell me this dude uh, just had a he, – he still beats up Sean McCorkle and Matt Mitrione. Mm-hmm. Uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, this dude, he um, – man, I'm going gonna, gonna to find his name right now. White, black, Latino. White guy, big, good wrestler, great wrestler. Uh, I think they call him like the, the moose or something or uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm going to find his name right now, but 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 Herring has a victory over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he was a really tough guy because he was training with Core Hammers, who was Ramon Decker's trainer and Boss Rutten's trainer and Gokan Saki's trainer and people like that. So his stand-up and his striking got really good, and he gave Noguera a couple of really hard fights in Pride too, when uh, Noguera was the number one fighter. Tom Erickson. Oh my God! I remember that fight. They always talk oh about how good God. Tom Erickson that is. That was a shocker. Sean McCorkle and them, they say that uh, Erickson still beats him up in the gym. Yeah. They, they say that this guy, he, he could have been the best. Erickson could have been the king of all because he's freaking huge. He's like, I mean, he's like 280. and I don't think he can make 265, actually. He's a giant guy. And when he came into Pride, I thought, oh, man. But then when Heath beat him, and it was in a Pride show I commentated on with Boss. Yeah. Oh, my God, it was such a shocker because I think he ducked into a knee or something. But whatever the reason was. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no do-over sometimes. You just keep going. And he just kept going and became a huge star. He was probably the most famous and well-liked among the female fans in Japan. Who, Erickson? No, no, no. Oh, Heath. Heath, Heath yeah. Herring was, yeah. Yeah. Because they did a poll, and he was number one. Of the non-Japanese, he was the number one uh, fighter that women liked. Well, Mark Kerr was saying back in his prime, uh, he had Mark Kerr on the podcast, he, couldn't, he would go to Japan, and it would be like 400 women, and got, like he would just get surrounded by everybody and it was like they were like rock stars it wasn't like you know when, when you go around fight shows now it's mainly a guy thing yeah. but in japan there's a lot of women yeah. that show up. and so it was like it was crazy because the 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 lobby at the hilton tokyo which they stopped having them because of the untimely death of morishita um they people would wait in line and sometimes they wouldn't wait with anything to sign they just wait because they want to meet and maybe give the phone number who knows what was going to happen yeah no, it, it's it, it is funny though. It's also funny like my girl, uh, my wife always talks about like like I'm friends with you know Nate Diaz. So I see Nate, and uh, she can't believe like the adulation that the Diaz brothers get. From- I commentated on Nate's first fight ever, and it was in WEC, and he fought Hermes Franca. Wow! At the time, Hermes was a killer, and we're thinking, wait, this is your first pro fight. <laughs> You're crazy, but he gave a good fight. He lost. I think yeah. he submitted somehow. But it was still, and then he became who he is now. He's one of the greatest you know, fighters on the planet. Yeah, no, but also she couldn't believe how many, like how guys turned into like, like such fanboys around the Diaz brothers. I think because they, I mean, I think because the Diaz brothers are just so real. They're, like, they're rebels. They don't care about anything. They just, they just, I mean, they care about what they care about, but they don't give into, you know, society and this one and that one. And it's almost like they, they like what they like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Lazy the Savage telling a story how uh, Nick was saying, hey, man, you got to get me this. Uh, you, hey, can you get me a sponsor? I need some money. So he set him up with this sponsor. And it's like all these business guys and Nick Diaz. And it was some sort of like one of those like uh, like the Boz Rutten, like you punch those five things, mm-hmm. like a Boz mm-hmm. Rutten punch out, like with this like a dummy and there's like five ways. And they do it. And they give this whole presentation. 
And Nick was like, man, that is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. He goes, I would never fucking do that. People would only buy it because they hate me so much. He goes, you know what? Call Jake Shields. He'll like some dumb shit like this. Like, and then it was just oh, silent. And he said it was the most oh. awkward meeting he's ever had. But I was laughing my ass off. Nick Diaz did something during a press uh, conference. It was, like, it was a call-in. It was one of those uh, you know, the media call-in things where they would be asking him questions. I forget who he was going to fight. And he'd be, have these long pauses and he wouldn't say anything. Well, what he was doing was practicing nunchucks in the mirror <laughs> and he wasn't even listening to the guy. So after he beats, I forget who it was. It wasn't Cyborg. It was somebody else. I think it was, I can't remember who it was. So I said, hey, that's pretty good. It's kind of like a nunchuck move. And he looked at me and he knew exactly what I'm talking about. But he didn't go there. Yeah. But it was during one of the call-ins. They kept, Nick, are you there? What do you think about, Nick, are you, yeah, I'm here, what? <laughs> oh my god yeah no Nick Diaz he's one of a kind Diaz he's totally one. awesome man so uh, also this weekend I, I, you know what I, I'm trying to get more social media savvy so we're posting this online and, mm-hmm. and people are always complaining no matter what I do I'm not like I'm, I'm sorry I'm not an 18 year old kid who knows all this shit mm-hmm. I'm like I'm 39 and I'm fucking trying to make a living but anyway I'm doing my best mm-hmm. uh, we actually lost funding for uh I was going to have, they were going to take the podcast to a four camera shoot and this guy gave me this whole pitch and, and they were going to pay me some big money and, and then he calls me up, he's like, I lost funding. It was just like, ugh, that oh. fuck. But you know what? Like my, this guy, Sandy Marks, had a great joke. He's like, Hollywood, my life, it's like a, a series of failures interrupted by meals. Mm-hmm. He goes, it's like, fail, 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 turkey sandwich. <laughs> fail, mm-hmm. fail. And I, I thought that was one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, I, I, I just, about losing the funding and losing the cameras. Hang in there. Oh, oh yeah. Another thing. I, so this fucking. So yesterday, six o'clock in the morning flight, layover in Houston. I finally get in. I got a you know an Uber. They don't make it easy at the airport. You if you want Uber, you got to go upstairs like fucking through like a maze. You have to. It's like Indiana Jones last fucking when he's trying to buy the 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 the, 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 uh, the skull. You finally get your Uber, and the guy wants first. He goes. I'm just tired. I'm just, I, I, I haven't slept at all. Like, literally, I, I, I didn't sleep at all because I didn't want to miss the flight. And he goes, hey, uh, I'm on the phone. I get up the phone. He goes, hey, you're a comic? I go, yeah. He goes, can I tell you a joke? So I, I said, no. I, I, I said, no. I don't. And then he's like, oh, well, one time I, I drove Don Rickles to The Tonight Show, and, I te- and he let me tell him, all right, tell me the joke, right? He tells me this long religious joke that, like, it was, just, it was the worst joke I've ever heard in my life. It was, just, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had, to, I had to laugh. I was like, oh, that's, that's funny. And then he goes, yeah, man, you, just, you could do that in your act. It was one of those jokes of, like, a guy has four years to live. And, he go, you know, one of those, like, not even a joke he wrote, mm-hmm. you know. So then uh, he goes, how's the comedy career going? And I go, it's going all right. I was on The Tonight Show a couple times. And last comic standing, I traveled the world doing it. And he goes, hang in there. I'm like hang in there and then he goes you know what he goes I'm, I'm a, he goes you're a nice guy I'm gonna give you a five star rating so they can rate you like I didn't know that Uber people can rate you now wow. so I'm like no so pressure you're, right you're giving me a rating yeah. like, like yeah. really is that how this works now like hi I'm Steven I'm your customer <laughs> yeah what's your name you're my server I, uh, I'm sorry like I thought Yelp you're supposed to review the business now we're the now the business re- reviews you equal so, rights man ah uh, god so then that was that but I so then, I, then now they shoot back so then I like wrote that joke on 
Facebook, which you got, people got, yeah. and some people were like, well, the guy's got a point. You're not Kevin Hart. I'm like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, you just can't win. So then, then I go to the Dime Bar last night to do a show, yeah. uh, which I run, and it was just, it was empty. So then, like, at the end, these four girls came in. These, like, actually, yeah, it was, like, five girls smoking hot. I'm like, okay, I'm on last because I let all the comics go on before me because I'm just like, whatever. You could all bump me. I don't care. I'll go last. I'll do a longer time. And, of course, I'm like, oh, where are you guys from? They're from Norway. Like, English is not their first language, right? So now I'm trying to make people laugh. Like, and I'm just, that's how comedy is. I go from, like, averaging 200 people a night mm-hmm. in Naples to, like, standing ovations to, like, oh, you're doing great to, like, me at a fucking dive bar. And nobody gives a fuck. Nobody, people don't speak English. They just yeah. want to hear hip-hop. They came for the bar afterwards. They didn't even come for the show. But the comics were laughing because I was, like, explaining I was tell the joke and then explain to them why the joke was funny to which they would then translate it to their friend and then like and then none of the references I was I'd be like Adderall they were like oh you mean like Ritalin yeah like I have to explain yeah it was one of those the comics were laughing which was cool but it was just like ugh so yeah, so that was uh, that was that, um, but it was still fun. I mean, you know, it's it's all good. Okay, uh, back to the Norway girls. Yeah, no, I'm married. I'm like, they were I know, smoking hot so for me. You know, this. Oh yeah, right no, now. you should come. I mean, they were they, I... dude. This so funny Hollywood. I, I did a show at the Dime Bar. Did they like you? They liked me. Yeah, okay. yeah, they liked me. Mm-hmm. But they they liked me because I was like putting an effort. See, I'm the, one of the comics. There are a lot of comics out there. They see three people, five people, They and they give a half-ass show. Or they take out their notes or whatever. Oh, hey, I'm just going to try out new shit, which I can't stand. Mm-hmm. I, it's this whole generation of, of people that either don't try, don't want to try. It's like when you told me like that you were in an acting class taking Meisner classes. Mm-hmm. And like you've been in, I don't know, a hundred movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. but you're still taking Meisner acting lessons. Mm-hmm. And but now it's 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 just how many Instagram followers do you have? How many this? How many mm-hmm. that? What's your social media? It's like mm-hmm. there's so many people who don't give a fuck about the craft of anything. And mm-hmm. I'm not just saying on my high horse, but it's the truth. I mean, there are comics now and at comedy clubs. People, you know, you want to book a comedy club. People go, well, can you can you fill seats? Mm-hmm. So they're booking, you know, Chico Bling or who's big on Vine or they're, I mean, they're book like literally I, w- I looked at a comedy club in, in Canada and uh, the Honky Tonk Man was performing. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know how, if he's good or not. I'm not bashing the Honky Tonk Man. He's probably puts on a good show. I'll probably enjoy it. Usually, but, I, usually I just co-star on a movie and the Honky's performing. <laughs> but, but yeah, but it's just, there's a whole generation of people who don't give a fuck about the craft it's all result oriented it's kardashian it's it's posing it's everybody's looking like they're fucking destroying it and it's telling people what they're doing versus doing it and showing and and in some ways you as a comic you have to do that because sometimes Mm -hmm. i put as a comic hey i'm headlining the improv and then the laugh factory goes oh he must be pretty good we wanted to do the laugh factory or the ha so you're just kind of it's business it's sort of fishing but at the same time there's a lot of people out there who don't give a fuck so they see a uh, a crowd of two and they give a fucking half-ass performance and i'm always like no like first of all you don't know who those two people are number two they came to see you they're the ones here. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you not going to give them the show? It's like, the people, those are the ones, it's like, the, the girl that wants to fuck you, fuck her good. Like, not don't, oh, well, she's a fucking four, so I'm going to give her a fucking half-ass bang. N- no! You, you guys, people come and support 
you give them the show that they deserve, mm-hmm. and I, that's how I that's how I believe. Uh, but so that so I gave them a show, so they appreciated the fact that they saw a show. Yeah, uh, plus they were five hot chicks from Norway, yeah. and, and you're married and all that. Yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, you know the the Meisner thing that was a great experiment because I've I've trained under Strasberg and Stella Adler and Meisner. But the thing is, I see a lot of people like you're saying on social media. They know how to get a job and how to get you know a little bit of fame and fortune, but once they get on the set. They can't keep it. Exactly. They have a problem because now all of a sudden you got to bring, bring the goods. And I remember watching an interview with Sally Field on Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. And she said when she first got into the, the, the business, she got cast because she was this young, cute you know, thing. And she was in this movie. And all of a sudden they had this big camera shot and all these dolly shots and all these extras and everything right on her. She got, had to cry. And she failed miserably. That's when she actually went started going to acting class. And she also said that she got nervous even to this day still to the point where he, you know she, she said oh yeah i get so totally nervous and james lipton said you mean at the beginning and she said no now after winning two academy awards so that gave me a lot of confidence because all of us get nervous now this brings to mind adam i'm interviewing you now yeah do you get nervous before you go on i get nervous when there's a like if it's a show where there's a lot of money involved in it like for example i got i'm doing a show this friday in Arizona and Tucson, and there's a guy there who books a lot of work. So, like, that's when I get nervous of, like, if I don't do well, I'm going to lose a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Or if, there's the, if, if the owner of the club's in the room, uh, I, want to, I want him to see me doing well. That's when I get nervous. I don't get nervous, like, because I've just been there 4,000 more than that, but I get nervous when, like, I used to do colleges, and uh, that's why I'm not good at auditioning. Like, I, I would, because, like, auditioning, I, would, I get more nervous in front of two people at an audition than I would be in front of two million people Uh, because number one they're not my lines I didn't write them I I can't charm my way out of it or I can't you're not playing yourself I'm not playing myself that's when I get nervous we're at nervous auditions and also I know that if I book this job uh, I'll I'll get the part Mm -hmm. and then I'll get money and then I'll get that and so when I start factoring in all the other things that might happen is when I get nervous Uh, and then I start sweating and this and that but I like I don't get nervous. Like one of my best sets ever was on Last Comic Standing when I knew that I was already going to be kicked off. Like, because I, I knew that like there was like three people left. One of them had to get kicked off. They had me left. I knew. So, at that point, the pressure was gone, and it was the and I and I killed it. And everyone's like, "Why did he get kicked off?" Blah blah. blah. But I didn't have any. I didn't have any pressure. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. I'm like. But you're right. Like, what Hollywood has become now, what what everything has become is Sage Northcutt versus Brian Barbarana. Where Northcutt gets the, gets gets that nod because he's he's good looking he's he's char- he's charismatic he's bankable he's got a twelve pack he's young, but Brian Barberena had to get there because he had to fight all these fucking monsters to get there, mm-hmm. and who wins? Brian Barberena wins second round, taps him out. That's kind of like what I go through as a comic is like like yes, a lot of times like the the show business the comedy business they put up these people that have 20 minutes, uh, that have 15 minutes, and they go, oh, he's our next star, he's our next star, he's, he's, our, he's, he's our next, let's say before it was Dane Cook, or he's our next this, or he's our next that, but they don't have, they can't headline, and they can't, they can't deal with adversity, mm-hmm. because they just haven't, they haven't been there. They haven't been in all the, all the shitty situations. That's been happening since I can remember in the motion picture TV industry. Do you remember the actor Jan Michael Vincent? 
He was an actor that had a show called Airwolf. He was a really super good-looking guy. He was in a Charles Bronson movie called uh, uh, The Mechanic, and he played a, a hitman in training by Charles Bronson. This good-looking guy, and they fast-tracked him. Yeah. He became a star before he really had it together, and then he self-destructed. And that happens over and over again when they fast-track these people too, too quickly. They burn them out. This happens in the UFC all the time. Like, yeah. Sage Northcutt already has had a couple pretty you know bad losses. What's her name? Uh, Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, yeah. Dancing with the Stars. They put the cart in front of the horse many times. And the thing is, is that a lot of the, the, the public, the dude bro fans, and we talked about this, they don't care one way or another because they just nod their head no matter what they see on TV. As long as it's on TV, they think it's, it's believable. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Uh, totally. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I... I Another thing I did this weekend was on uh, Instagram. So I went on Instagram and I posted a bunch of my old wrestling videos. Cause I was like, I was kind of bored. I'm like, you know what? This would be fun. Uh, I didn't. I never knew how to actually put videos on Instagram mm-hmm. myself. I was sort of like figuring it out. And uh, some people actually like Phil Baroni's. Like you're a fish. That of course Phil Baroni's gonna say that. Like, but Phil Baroni's like. I like put. I just got engaged, and he's like, "Dude, you look fat. Do do steroids." That was his like, comment. But uh, like, I, you know, it's Phil Baroni. I have to laugh. You know, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but it was cool because Tom Ryan, uh, who's the coach at OSU, who uh-huh. actually recruited me to go to Hofstra, he was like, "Tough kid from Long Island. Keep it up." So that was awesome. Like uh-huh. Tom Ryan is now Kyle Snyder's wrestling coach, uh-huh. and Logan Stiebler and all these amazing wrestlers and he's taking the time on Twitter to watch my videos so mm-hmm. that just that made it worth it um, but it was hard because when I was in high school I remember my headmaster sat me down and he goes I'm very worried about you Adam I go why he's like I'm worried that you're never going to have the success in the real world you had in high school and that always stuck with me and I was like and it, I wish he hadn't told me that you I know the, I had the opposite problem Oh, really? You didn't have much success in high school? No, I was basically just want to smoke weed, chase girls, and play drums. And, and I, had, I was not a very good student until after. And then I went to college. It was okay. I was at before boarding school. This is sent to boarding school for uh, kids with too much energy. But, but sometimes I worry that. I'm like, fuck, did I peak at 17? And, uh, but then I think, oh, no, come on, man. High school, I was a very good wrestler in a very small pond. It was a prep school, class A. And then you know, I, was not, I wasn't the national champion of public school. I wasn't, you know, Olympic trial guy. You know, uh, speaking of a guy who got fast track, Aaron Pico is another one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You saw on Bellator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that is Aaron Pico. He's a guy that was the number one rated high school kid in the country. So they, they threw him out there and he mm-hmm. lost his first fight in, in a minute and a half. Oh, that, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's, a, there's a kid. But, uh, I, you know, I think that the working class looks at that and they're glad something like that that's supposed to win oh that always happens to me yeah. that, I, 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 I always root for the guy yeah, I, I've the been watching uh, LFA uh, mm-hmm. recently sure. and uh, by the way people are really sleeping on so sleeping on you as the fight professor and Pat Militage mm-hmm. Pat Militage is so good at calling fights amazing and he, I worked with him for three years at Showtime with Morrow and Pat that dude I mean you talk about the UFC you know like, the, you know, they had this new contender series, and they brought in Snoop Dogg and Uriah Faber. Mm-hmm. And, and they actually have Eve Edwards, who's killing it, by the way. He's amazing. And Todd Grisham, who I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Todd Grisham, I mean, when you don't know Sakuraba's name, uh, it's just, come on. It's just, to me, it's hard to get over that. It's hard to get over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but luckily, but, they, but Snoop Dogg's pretty funny for a minute. But I'm happy that they have it. Uh, you could actually... Because you could, you could change it. They don't, I thought they were going to have them the whole time do it, mm-hmm. which I think would have been a disaster. But they have this contender series, and I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I went to the Palms. Well, not funny, but a story. I go to the Palms, and 
Uh, it was like some uh, lion fight kickboxing, mm-hmm. and it was all uh, it was all full. And when I went to go valet my car, and this guy says, "Hey, you're Adam Hunter." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "It would be an honor to valet your car." He goes, "One day you're gonna make fun of me." And and you're gonna roast me, mm-hmm. and I go, oh, no, no, you're a fighter. Yeah, I am a fighter, and uh, I'm like, what's, what's your record? I'm two and zero. I'm out of Hawaii. I'm like, oh, good luck. I try to pay him. He's like, you don't, your money's no good. Gives me back my money, mm-hmm. and then he thinks his name is Boston Salmon, and he, and he just got into the UFC wow. based on a fight he did uh, last week. Mm-hmm. So uh, good job, Boston Salmon. That was that was pretty damn cool. You know, there's so many fight shows now. You mentioned LFA. You said Land Fight. You've got Bellator Kickboxing. You've got Glory Kickboxing. You've got all these fights. It's almost like work to try and keep up with this. It is. It's like a job. Because back in the days, there used to be only six Pride shows a year. And the UFC maybe eight to ten a year. So... When they happen, it was a really special thing. Now, if you miss one, you you don't die, you know. No, but it is it is annoying though because uh, sometimes it is a little bit like um, too much. It's too much. Like last week, Bellator. You watched Bellator last last week? I didn't. I missed it this last week. Uh, so sorry, sorry, Scott. It's it's okay. So Bellator last week, Brandon Gertz uh, and Derek Campos had the fight of the year. I heard it was a fight, and it was it was a shame because they stopped the fight due to the cut. He had a big cut in his head, and I, I think he might have won. Like a crucifix? He had a crucifix. It was, it was like a Nike symbol on top of his head. And uh, I don't know if he would have lost. He might have lost, but he has got knockout power, and they should make, make that fight again right away because it was one and one, and then this was like the trilogy, but it was such a good fight. It was such a war. Uh, it was awesome. That was, that was really cool. And then Kendall Grove lost. Hate to see that. He got, uh, he, he got submitted. Um, yeah. And he's then a great guy, nice guy. And then our boy EJ Brooks, who's a big fan of the podcast, who's a guy that just, you know, one of these guys who just, you know, he was in Titan FC, he was in Bellator, he's mm-hmm. trying to make his way back. He got a win, really happy. And Biggie Mike Rose lost. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I told him, I go, don't worry, man. It was on the Bellator prelims. Nobody saw it, uh, <laughs> and he, he was happy about that. Uh, yeah. Invicta, uh, you watch Invicta? I, I don't have Fight Pass. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you not have fight pass? Because it's just, it's just a lot. There's just too many fights, and they kind of water each other down. It's like listening to the same bands over yeah. and over again. I mean, it's like, but uh, well, Jin Yu Fry won. Uh, who I, I, that was the one I, I watched, and I'm happy her. She's a girl who is like a. I don't know, an aerospace engineer or something, and she's hot, and 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 she's she's cool. I think, I think she's married, and she's got kids. And they're Invicta has such a great product, and they don't fucking promote it. You never know when the things are. I tell Shannon, I go, let me pay me to roast. The I don't thing. know. It's necessarily her fault though, because they're lost in the shuffle. There's too much in the herd. This it's like fight pass. You got all these different fight shows you can watch, but there's too many. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of them, and yeah. it does, and it does, and, and it. You know what? It used to be with Bellator, you weren't that engaged with some of the fighters because you didn't know who they were. Right. And I feel like that's where the UFC has gone, mm-hmm. uh, especially like last week. They had a really good watch the card last week. No. It was actually, it was actually a good card. UFC. Uh, I only watch the pay-per-views anymore. So really? Yeah, because it's just, unless it's special, I, they want us to be addicted to the thing where we watch every week and, oh, this, this week's better than last week. No, it isn't. How you said that last week and the week before and you said the same exact thing. And so they have great fighters that have great techniques and they're showcasing the thing and they're going out and getting their brain damaged from the company because that's an exciting fight for them. They don't want any grappling. So they, they do that and then everybody, rah, 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 we're going on the next week. And they need that. They get, they get that injection of what they want, of what the company is promoting. Conor McGregor. We'll get to that. Right. We're going to get to that. It was good, though. They had, uh, they had, it was actually, 
you know, a lot of times when it, when it's not promoted, it was UFC Scotland. It was on Sunday at like three in the afternoon. Uh, but uh, Gunnar Nelson lost to uh, Ponzinibbio. Mm-hmm. This dude Ponzinibbio can can punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gunnar Nelson, man, I just w- one of those things where after Gunnar beat Allen, he looked so good. He looked so good when he wins. But then he's. But then he got knocked out cold. He didn't know where he was, uh, and he got to give it up to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Mm. Uh, the the and then uh, uh, Cynthia Cavillo beat Joanne Calderwood. That was a, that was a good fight. That could have won either way. I don't think it was thirty twenty seven. It was another twenty nine twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody brought up during this fight. It was we had Guy Metzger on the podcast last week. Sure. And Guy Metzger was saying that UFC is no longer. It's not a sport. Uh, I know it's a brand, but MMA has now longer become. A sport, it's it's become entertainment, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a sport infused with entertainment. Mm-hmm. Enter- and there's a sport element of it. But he says, but you said that he said that fighters were not I agree trying. With him. You think so? Yeah. I, 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 here's what happens: uh, the ra- ratings, the ranking system are, are complete bullshit. That's bullshit. They, they don't even use the rankings. Yeah. If you get Twitter followers, then you get his title <laughs> shot. You know, if, if you're Conor McGregor, you don't have to defend your title, and the whole thing gets put, held for ransom. So that's not a sport because every year they have a Super Bowl. If the team can't make it, they put another team in there. You yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. You got the show must go on. But in the in the in the fight game, not just the UFC, that's been happening in boxing for decades, maybe since the millennium. I mean, that's the whole thing. And the people just keep nodding their head and they keep watching what they're supposed to watch because that's what they don't have any other choice. It, it is crazy. Uh, well, he was also saying that guys, he, he turns him off the most is that fighters are not going for the finish. He said they're going they're going to just win on points. And because the the threat is, if you lose, you're going to get bounced. It's not like you know. I hate to say it, not it, old days in Japan, where if you went out, uh, Quentin Jackson, he went over there and lost to Sakuraba. Guess what? That made him a star because of the way he lost. Uh, o- over here, if you don't get the win, then okay, you know, you're not Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, no, that, and that's, uh, you know, Cynthia, she tried to get the win, she couldn't do it. Khalil Roundtree won his fight where he, he, he knocked him out and then stood over him and just stared at him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were upset about that because of the sportsmanship thing. They go, and, you know, I know Khalil, he came to his show. I know his coach, John Wood. I like John Wood a lot. Mm-hmm. If, it, if I was coaching him, I, I, he, he would have been talked to. Like, come on, man. Like, that's, you got to act like you've been there before. It's like mm-hmm. when a kid celebrates too much, hey, man, act like you were supposed to win. People are going to be emotionally invested in him, though, even though it would be a negative sense. But, oh, you stood over the guy. What a cocky move. Ah. They're still going to talk about him and remember him because he would have just gotten all humble and everything. Everybody forgotten right about him because of all these shows week after week after week. But they're going to remember him hoping that he's going to lose. Back in the days, people used to watch Muhammad Ali hoping he'd lose yeah. to shut him up because they hated him. People forget that because now all oh, the poor guy had Parkinson's and all oh, poor guy, but they forget all this stuff like this. So with him doing that, it was actually going to be a blessing in disguise. There is no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, all right, all right, I I understand. And then uh, there was a guy. Uh, it was a dick move, though. It was a total dick move. I, I, there was a guy, Galore Buffando, who he beat Charlie Ward by. He took the guy and just pushed him down and then knocked him out that way. Wow. It was like a get the fuck off me. Just basically just threw him on the ground and the guy knocked him. It's like one of those YouTube videos from like seventh grade. It's exactly what it was. It was like a Sharkisha <laughs> move or Sharkisha. It was, it was insane. Yeah. It, it, was, it was insane. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm very happy that uh, my girl Leslie Smith won. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie Smith looked great. It feels like I feel like Leslie. There, you know. Do you have a problem with partiality when you say your girl? Then oh, what about the other girl. I mean, you know. I, you, but you're not a journalist. No, you're, no you're not no. a broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. You can be do whatever the fuck you want, right? Well, it feels like with Leslie, they're giving her. They're, they're upset about her starting a union, mm-hmm. and that, so they keep putting her and giving her to like the wolves, and she's winning. 
Uh, like they're basically putting her first fight in on on Fight Pass, and they did that. I was with Jay Haran and Gray Maynard. They put him the first fight on part on Fight Pass mm-hmm. uh, against uh, Ishihara, and and Jay Haran was like, "Man, fuck this!" Like after all the Gray Maynard has done for the sport, I know. And yeah. and they and they gave him a kid that like was supposed to beat him. Mm-hmm. He was the favorite, and then Gray won, which was mm-hmm. awesome. But Santa Cruz. Yeah, I yeah. like Maynard a lot. Me too. Me too. I I, I did a movie with him. Uh, it was Gray Maynard, Ernie Reyes Jr., John Savage from The Deer Hunter, Frank Shamrock was in it, and it was called Red Canvas. Then it later got became Submission. Then it became Money Fight. But Gray was an awesome guy, and I thought. And uh, Tyson Griffin was also in the movie too. And Gray, great guy, tough guy, really. Yeah. Good. Frankie Edgar. How, I mean, how many times <laughs> they fight? Like some of the greatest fights in the UFC history. Yeah. Really. Uh, so yeah, totally. Gray's and he's one of those things. I think Frankie Edgar ruins people. Like guys are never the same after him. Like BJ Penn never the same after him. Uh, Cub lost his fight after him, mm. to, but then now he's done on a roll. And it, I'm a I'm Cub Swanson's my friend. I love Cub Swanson, but I really think that Max Holloway Edgar is the fight to make uh, because yeah. you know both those guys beat Cub, um, yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know. I just think that's a really good fight to make, and I think. Uh, I think Cub gets the winner of that fight, mm-hmm. uh, but I agree with you. I, I think they've got to have some kind of you know semblance of logic. Uh, what Guy Mezger said, it's not a sport. I think that the the core issue is the rankings and how the, they don't have title shots to people that are are ranked number one. Jacques Rice sat in limbo for a long time, and then eventually burn out, and then started losing fights yeah, yeah. as a result because you can only stay and tread water so long, and then you start to lose heart. No, look, look at Yoel Romero. Yoel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, also LFA last week, Darren Elkins lost, mm-hmm. and uh, Darren Elkins, um, I'm pretty sure it was Dar- Darren Elkins, uh, no, no, Johnny Bedford, Johnny Bedford lost, uh, Johnny Bedford, and he, you know, Bedford lost to a kid that he beat in a grappling tournament, and he lost by submission, and I think sometimes when you, when you like, beat someone and then have to fight them, you, you overlook them, you're like, oh, I beat this kid, it was pretty easy. And that's kind of what happened. People change, too. Uh, Mike Tyson lost to Henry Tillman in the amateurs. Then they fought as a pro, and he crushed him. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, people do change over time. You know, especially, you know, you get that confidence factor, and you get on a roll, and you get into the, the big boys. It's like the, the difference between pro boxing and amateur boxing. Pro, amateur boxing not about the knockouts. You know, let's say if you fight in Thailand, and you fight in, in the things where they want that fight to go the distance so they can bet on it. A lot of times those fighters going over to Europe and fight guys that are trying to knock them out in the first round and don't do as well. Right. Um, there's a lot of other factors behind the scenes. Now let's talk about the Conor McGregor thing. Uh, <sighs> I don't see how Conor McGregor wins this fight. He's fighting a guy who's, who's never fighting. I'm just, kidding, just kidding. I mean, he's, um. he he never. This guy never lost. And by the way, McGregor's like somebody's O has to go. McGregor has already lost three times. Like like O in boxing, you're O and O in boxing. Like your your O win is gonna go basically. But he's fighting a guy who is the best defensive wrestler, defensive boxer ever. Uh, he he beat. Look at the guys he's beaten. Everybody. Everybody from De La Hoya to Zab Judah to, I mean, just, just go to uh, Manny Pacquiao. Canelo to yeah. Manny Pacquiao. Maidana twice. My, and people are convinced, though. People are saying, well, you know, McGregor, he's so much bigger. He hits harder. But so what? The, and, and Brendan Schaub, I, I, don't, I don't know if Showtime's paying him to, mm-hmm. be, to be, but... For him to say that he thinks McGregor is going to win and that bigger gloves are an advantage for him, mm-hmm. like h- how is more cushion an advantage 
when it comes to the, the only shot this guy has is by knockout. Have you ever heard of the term gaslighting? There's a term gaslighting. I want you to Google it and look it up. It's where if you tell a lie enough times, some people are going to start to believe it. If you bullshit enough, people, yeah, I think Conor McGregor, yeah, that left hand, yeah, Chapman, ah. they won't know about the behind the scenes, especially when people are ignorant about what really goes on. It's like the, the Mayweathers are, are always quick to say, uh, people don't know shit about boxing. Okay, great, fine. We don't know as much as you do. You, Roger, and all those people in the, in the gym. That's, that's a fact. And when Floyd boxes, <clears throat> a lot of people don't understand what they're watching. Before Floyd fought Manny Pacquiao, People say, yeah, it's going to be like, God, he wore that. <laughs> no, it isn't. Haven't you ever? And then after the fight, they're complaining. Floyd didn't do anything. He ran. He, eh. I said, have you never seen him fight before? Yeah. People always think that something new is going to happen, but it's basically uh, Einstein's definition of the word insanity. You're getting the same thing happening over and over again, yet you think something different is going to happen. You're fucking crazy. People are going to pay $100 for this. $100. i am not paying. <laughs> $100. I mean, what, what's your prediction? Conor McGregor first round knockout, you know, <laughs> yeah. forty-five seconds. <laughs> no, actually forty-six seconds. Well, I was, what's your prediction for okay. this fight? Um, I think it's probably going to go about five rounds. Then he's, uh, Conor's going to get finished. I think he's going to get outclassed. I think Conor's only shot is to go out there and try and just blast him and try and blitz him. I mean, to hang on the outside with Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Now, Floyd notoriously is not a knockout puncher against guys like Canelo, who hit a lot harder than Conor McGregor. Yeah. Now. See, if, so if you hang around on the outside, see, Connor's a counterpuncher. He waited for Jose Alta to run in on him and clip him with the right hand. That ain't going to happen with Floyd. Floyd's going to be doing that sidestep thing, and you can't hit certain areas and things like that. I think it's going to be a really bad fight. I think it's not, it's not going to be very good. And people are going to complain and piss and moan, but then the, the promoters are just going to laugh and count their money, and Connor's going to laugh and count, money, count his money. I think Connor McGregor, I have to say, I really, really think he's doing a smart thing here. I do. I think he's a freaking borderline genius he's the best salesman best pitchman since ali maybe better than ali because ali it was actually a challenge when he fought foreman when he fought ken norton when he fought joe frazier when he fought all those guys those guys actually they, some of them actually beat him ken norton beat him and these guys actually beat him so he still snake oil cha- charmed people to think he could beat larry holmes and things like that even though people knew he couldn't conor mcgregor is going to do the same thing that Floyd Mayweather did with boxing. He used boxing. He didn't let boxing use him and kick him to the curb. Uh, Conor McGregor, on the other hand, you know, never defended a title in the UFC, but people don't care because he's got the backing, he's popular, he's got all the Twitter followers, and he's going to use boxing, and I wouldn't be surprised if he retired from fighting, and that way, that way he'd save his faculties, have his brain, when he raises his child, he'd be a good father and remember his mother's maiden name and stuff it, like I that. I mean, it's crazy. It, it definitely, it, it was funny, uh, it, it was entertaining, these press conferences, I was, I was watching them, I was like, the... the the first one was good. The first one sucked. The second one was really good. But Mayweather is not a great shit talker. Everyone's like, oh, he's a great... No, he's not. He's great when it comes he to... He is when he t- interviews with Larry Merchant. After the fight, he's good. And yeah. when he... You know, what really people like about Mayweather are those, those uh, 24-7 specials. Yeah. Because you could see it in the life of Mayweather. That's mm-hmm. what people like to see. They're like, oh, my God, he's with the strippers and the girls and his dad and he's fighting. That's when you like actually like Mayweather. Mm-hmm. But as far as like just being a shit talker... He's not good at all. No. He just basically, and he's just like, he kept going, yeah, yeah. And then. I think that the, these fight companies, the UFC, should have a different category for fight. They should have the one where they fight 
and then they should have a separate category where they never lay, lay a glove on each other <laughs> and they just shit talk. And that, that way you can get guys from the street and everything, hey, fuck you, you know. Yeah. You could just say how many times they can say fuck to each other because fighting has nothing to do with that and that has nothing to do with fighting. I know. But people somehow think it does. People were scoring the press conferences. I'm like, this is not a, a real debate. This is, uh, uh, give me a break. And then the undercard is going to be all Floyd's guys. They should like I know CM that CM Punk would be the undefeated champion then. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I know Don Fry called out Tyson. He wanted to fight Tyson on the undercard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been great. Uh, Tyson would have went through him, but I still would have watched it. Yeah, you have to go watch the Jerome LeBanner fight with uh, Don Fry to really catch up on that. It was a kickboxing fight on the shockwave thing. It didn't go well for Don. <laughs> but uh, Don's not really. I mean, he, he he had some boxing fights early on, but Don. I love Don Fry. Don't get yeah. I mean, I, I always thought Don should get into movies, and he did that commercial. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Sorry. Back to Connor. Right. Connor. Connor. But Don Fry, did you, were you, did you call his fight with Aki Bono? No. Did you call that one fight Takayama. against Takayama? You yeah, called No, no, he beat Aki Bono as well. That huge fat guy. Yeah. yeah he yeah. beat him too. I, I watched the replay of it the other yeah. day. Yeah. And how was that? Uh, well, <laughs> did you feel like you wanted your 15 minutes back? No, because Fry took him down and then <laughs> pounded him out. It was like I, I remember one time on uh, Inoki Bombaye, which they always put Antonio Inoki pro wrestlers against K1 fighters, against Pride fighters, all mixed matches on New Year's Eve. And Don Fry fought a K1 guy who knocked out Peter Arts. His name was Cyril Abadie, I think. It was a, a Moroccan guy. It was really, really hard puncher. It was an MMA fight, though. Don took him down, beat the living shit out of him, and rear naked choked the guy in like a minute or something. Yeah, yeah. Don was Don was. He was a, back then. He was a freaking killer. Yeah, he he was he was always a killer, and then he started getting he said painkillers and. You know. I think that fight where he didn't tap off from the heel hook from Ken Shamrock, I think that really did him in, and it, it started the downfall because you can only be a tough guy so much. It, it, you're not going to go out and you know, I'm not going to tap out, and then his knee got popped so many times in that fight. By the heel hooks. And then you're going to be limping around. Don said, well, I'll just go in and rest in the sea and let the salt water do it. And Don, oh, man. And- yeah, there was a kid last week, actually. Uh, uh, his name is uh, Brendan Lewis, mm-hmm. an 18-year-old kid uh, who, uh, who fought, was, he's 3-0. and He's now 4-0. Mm-hmm. He, the, uh, his opponent didn't tap out from a heel hook. Second round, his knee gave out. Like he, I think he probably tore an ACL or something. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, this kid, he's 18 years old. His first amateur fight was when he was 15, uh, which is crazy. But he was a nice kid. He, after he won, he, he, Mom, I love you. Uh, he's like, I know you guys were booing me. You know, that's really cool. I want to thank you for showing up. This, I, like, you don't see that anymore. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't help but like someone like that who just, in the face of booing and people hating him, they, they just give love back to you. I mean, after a while, they, they wear you down. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a fan of his. So I, I'm looking forward to watching him uh, fight again. And you know what? Uh, I know they have the guy, um, the guy, uh, it's, now it's, they got rid of the guy from Australia, who I thought was great. Mm-hmm. The announcer from Australia who was always making those crazy rhymes. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the Voice. Oh yeah, Michael Chevalier. I don't. Why did he move? I, mean, I don't know. He was. I, I, I always liked him. Him and him and Pat was a good team. They were, he was great. It was a great team. Yeah, he was absolutely Michael great. Chivello, yeah, yeah. They got rid of him. I don't know if he left or the, what happened there, but I, I wish they would bring him back because now yeah. they have uh, Ron Kruk. Yeah, Ron Kruk. Okay. Who's, who's okay? He's good. Yeah, but Chevalier just 
it's too big of a hole. You know, it's like also when you get used to a guy like Chevello. You know, I, I'm, I'm lucky because I've worked with all these guys. I worked with Ron Crook a million times at Glory. And the old WEC, he used to be the roving reporter when I was doing the commentary with Ryan Bennett and Jeff Blatnick for old WEC. Wow. And then I got to work with Pat, obviously, for Showtime. And then Michael Chevello, we got to host a Glory tournament at the Forum, which was amazing. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I'm very blessed to have worked with a lot of these guys, and yeah, you're right. Michael Chevelle is awesome. Well, when Crook, um, I want to make sure this is recorded. When 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 Crook uh, put down Ben Askren, that's when I actually kind of like lost it on like on Crook. Mm-hmm. He uh, he insulted Askren. He had he had Askren on a show, and he said, "When are you going to fight real people? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of fighting minor leaguers." And he was just sort of like, uh, and, and then he, and then he, and then he like cut him off. And wow. I was, and was I that just, on Inside MMA? Or? Yeah, Inside MMA. So then, they're going party line trying to... Yeah. Because the just, UFC didn't like them, so they jumped on the bandwagon. Yeah, and I, after that, I kind of... I just sort of lost it a little bit on Krupp. Just mm-hmm. because... I'm a, I'm a big Ben Askren fan, and mm-hmm. I, you know. I, yeah, he's a great fighter. I mean, he's you know he gets it done his way, and if you can't block the takedown, then what, what are you going to do? Fix the fight into where oh you got to kickbox one round and then wrestle the next round. I mean, yeah, and he's also a guy that like he's making. You know, north of a hundred thousand a fight mm-hmm. to fight guys in Singapore, versus getting you know, I mean like Terion Ware, who uh, who we had on the show. Terion got called to the, go to the UFC two weeks ago on ten days' notice. Uh, he took a fight against a wrestler mm-hmm. that he's not a wrestler, but he took the fight against a wrestler, and they gave him ten thousand dollars for ten thousand dollars to fight. Now he's got to pay out his his manager. His lawyer, uh, his 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 camp, he's probably gonna walk away with four thousand dollars. Yeah. So, you know, they would probably offer Ben, being the name he is, what twenty and twenty, mm-hmm. thirty and thirty, like fuck that. Yeah, I mean, of course. I I know that UFC is the best company, but if I'm Ben Askren and Singapore is giving me north of a hundred to to fight people, plus probably bonuses. Of course I'm going to do that. Honestly, there's a lot of exploitation of naivety because uh, a lot of these kids come in and they think, well, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be GSP. I'm going to be Anderson Silva and make millions of dollars. And there's a very, very small percentage of people that actually do that because there's such a labyrinth of challenges behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm not even talking about training and learn how to defend a heel hook or whatever it is, is you got to do. you got to, the, all these political things, then you get into the position and then you got to fight this guy and then your fight gets switched. Yeah. And then, and then you, 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 you turn it down. If you turn it down, then you're on the shit list of the company. That affects your training and your motivation and, and stuff like this. There's a lot of psychological thing. In many ways, Adam, it doesn't pay to be a fighter. No, also taxes. Because don't, don't forget about taxes that you have to pay on it. Well, everything. my tax attorney is Nick Diaz, so I mean, they take care of it. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, yeah, 100%. Um, all right, here we go. All right, so now I'm going to call Tanya Evinger, who is fighting Cyborg at UFC 214. Uh, and I really hope Tanya Evinger wins. I, she's been on the show, I don't know, 20 times. Cool as shit, nice person, a little misunderstood sometimes, but talk about a girl who lives life the way she wants to live, and um, I give her a lot of credit. I mean, she should have already been in the UFC. She was the Invicta champion. She's won her last nine out of ten fights, but they, um, they, they wouldn't put her in the UFC, and then finally they're like, hey, you could be in the UFC, but you got to fight Cyborg. Uh, that's kind of, but hey, look, she's getting a title shot, so uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So I'm calling Tanya Avenger right now. Uh, I hope Tanya wins. I think Tanya can- Hey, Tanya Ebinger. Hey, how are you guys? Good. You're on the MMA Roasted Podcast. It's me and the fight professor, Steve Quadros. Hey, guys. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. I, I man, I'm a woman. I, I can't wait to fi- to watch your fight. I'm trying to get tickets. I, uh, I hit up Dana. I'm trying to get tickets. I'm so excited for you to fight Cyborg. I'm so happy for you that you finally are. I mean, this is going to be the, probably the best card of the year. The biggest fight, Cormier. You're going to have so many eyes on you. You went from like literally working, uh, you know construction to now being in the main event on the biggest card of the year congratulations for that by the way thank you thank you i wish i i wish we ended up making more money in the long run because uh then i wouldn't have to go back to doing construction but you know <laughs> you know how it goes R- right right now now how did this happen did now when did you find out about it did you even think twice about it uh talk to me uh yeah they, they called me that uh weekend right before uh right before i signed and they actually released it what they released on monday or something like that um they called me that weekend and and my manager asked me and obviously i have the same manager as chris so uh when he called me he's like this is kind of weird for me to hear or, or you know I, I i don't know how you take this and obviously man I, i'm there to fight so i'm gonna take any fight um i definitely am not afraid to to you know, fight people. So that's never been a problem. I'm just there to fight. So I'm going to take whatever job pays the most. Let's do it. Now, um, I mean, I mean, now, was there any doubt? Did you, did you actually think about it? Do you have to like think about it or like, you know, think it over? Were you going back and forth? Or you just said yes right away? No, I said yes. I mean, I don't, I don't have, uh, I think, you know, like I said in uh, several interviews, you know, I'm, I've been like thinking about this fight for a while. I, I think that, um, it was something that's kind of been thrown in front of me, like, would you fight her, would you fight her, you know, quite a few times. And, and obviously every time I said yes, you know, I, I, I just can't let, like, fear of somebody be a reason I don't fight or I would never fight, you know what I mean? I think that, that it's scary all around. So I just want to get in there and, and uh, you know, I'm a prize fighter. I fight for money. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody that I've talked to that has fought Cyborg says to me after the fight, I've never been hit that hard in my life. Uh, how are you preparing for this? Um, you know, them people, I think that you, if you watch your fights, man, they go in there to get hit. I don't go into fights to get hit. I go in there to, to win fights. I don't go in there to, to have a battle back and forth. And, and I think my fighting style shows that. And I usually come out of the fights untouched. So I think that, um, I'm completely different on that, that end of the session. You know, I'm not going to go in there and then cover up and, and take some punishment. That ain't, that ain't the kind of game I play. So I, you know, I I, um, I get hit every day by guys. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure she don't hit as hard as most of the guys in my gym. Maybe some of the guys I hit harder than some of the guys. But uh, you know, I I've been hit pretty hard, and and it is what it is. And uh, I don't know, I hit pretty hard too, man. Tanya, uh, last time I saw you, uh, it was in Elite XC, and it was in Hawaii, and you fought Gina Carano. How is Cyborg different than Gina? Uh, man, that was a long time ago. To even talk about that fight is, is, um, a little, uh, ridiculous. I, I think that, uh, you know, that whole fight was, was weird. They brought me in. She didn't make way. They didn't have a community. They didn't give a shit that she didn't make way. Um, they just kind of told me, oh, well, you either fight or you don't. At the time I was young and I had a, a shitty ass manager that didn't know what the hell he was doing. And, and, uh, you know, he just told me I didn't have no choice. And, and, uh, then they put me in a locker room and then they came in and said, no, they got to got to come over here and warm up and put me in another locker room. And then they came back and said, no, you got to warm up outside in this tent. So they kind of, uh, fucked with my head the whole fight. And, you know, I, I did an interview, um, some other things that happened. Obviously I don't want to repeat them because that dipshit keeps trying to sue me over it. So, uh, 
you know, um, there's a lot of things that happened at that event that, that I didn't even want to fight. I, I just wasn't uh, in the right frame of mind, and I, I wasn't uh, there to fight. I just wanted to get out of there and, and whatever, you know. So, you know, I think there were things that I've, I've grown past and, and um, you know, I learned how to deal with and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, whatever. I'm here today, and, and I've obviously kind of had my, my downfalls in my career, and, and I picked myself up and, and learned from them and uh, made myself a better fighter. No, you are, you are, you totally, a, a girl who like, you just, I, I just try to base my comedy on your fighting career. You, you never go away. You just, you're like, <laughs> fuck it. You're like, okay, I'm, I, I'm losing there. I can't get in the tough house. No worries. You come, you become the Invicta champion. You're just a girl that you just, you're, you're so, you have so much tenacity, Tanya, and you're so inspiring and you're a nice person. I know some people will disagree with that, but, uh, but me knowing you, uh, you're, you're a super nice and you've got a huge heart. Uh, and and, you're, and you're, you're, your mom saw me on TV in Kansas City, by the way. Uh, so, but um, is the plan on this fight, because it does seem like everybody who gets into a fucking, you know, rock'em, sock'em robot with, with Cyborg loses, and you've been five rounds a lot, especially in your last couple fights. Are you going to try to tire her out, grind her against a cage, use your wrestling, take her to the later rounds? Man, I, I uh, win fights with my style. And, you know, obviously she wins fights with her style. But I think that, uh, you know, I'm a completely different fighter than, than she's faced and, and probably the same with her as I face. But, uh, you know, I think every girl comes out there and tries to knock my head off, but, uh, you know, they just aren't that great. So I, I, uh, you know, I think I'm just a smarter fighter in the long, in the long haul. after the rounds are over and stuff, I'm winning every minute of every round. And, and that's the way I think about it. And I'm always trying to finish people and I'm always putting that pressure on and I'm always fighting back. I think that a lot of her opponents have been on the defensive side when they go in there. So, you know, I, I don't play, I don't play that game. I don't want to get beat up. Nobody wants to get the shit beat out of them. I mean, come on. I don't go in there to get, get punched on and then maybe I'll punch you a couple of times. You know, that's, that's just not the type of fighter I am, but, uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, we're fighting in two weeks, so there's really, uh, you know, she did block me on, on Twitter. Did you know that? I did not know <laughs> wow. that. That's, that's bullshit. What's up with that? Over the weekend, over the weekend, uh, there was somebody, there's somebody with a little fake account and, and obviously I think it's her boyfriend and, and, uh, people are like, no way she hates Tony Ferguson and, and he's friends with Tony Ferguson, or that count is. Well, no shit. It's a fake account, people. How stupid are you? You, you don't think like, she, she, yeah, she speaks perfect English? So, you know, this guy, whoever it is, just talks mad shit on every one of her opponents. And obviously, I think I thought it was him, and I still think it's him. But anyway, uh, she came on and said that ain't him. And he got super defensive on that as soon as I called him out. And then he started saying that I said all this other stuff. And I'm like, well, where's the, where's the tweets that I said all this stuff? Like, show me what you're talking about, because they're nowhere. And then all of a sudden, I realized that... Uh, she blocked me, and you know it is what it is. I don't. I don't give a shit. I mean, we're fighting in in two weeks, so I mean, it's whatever. So whatever, ta- man. Tanya, Tanya, <laughs> um, the behind the scenes distractions like this with the the Twitter and the blocking and all this kind of stuff, has that ever affected your performance? And how do you feel to, uh, going into this fight with Cyborg? Uh, I think that people think it does. Um, if you watch every time I fight, you got these turd balls coming on and and talking shit to me and telling me all this stuff and every time I'm going to lose and I'm fighting the greatest fighter in the world and I'm about to get my ass kicked every single fight. And I think people are so dumb and they believe all this hype and they see a pretty girl and they think that, Oh, she's got the Muay Thai. She's going to kick Tanya Ninja's ass. Well, 
man, I, uh, I just want them to know that I sacrificed the look of this body for performance. That's why I look this way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, whatever, man. I don't feel muscle like them, but I, I guarantee I'm just as strong or stronger than most of the girls out there. So, um, I don't know. No, it doesn't bother me at all. It kind of keeps me entertained and, and distracts me. And, and some people get on there and be like, Hey, shouldn't you be training? Shouldn't you be focusing on this? Or well, why don't you shut the hell up? Uh, I don't train 24 hours a day obviously. And, um, I'm not a punk, man. I'm not going to sit here and let somebody badmouth me online without saying something back. I don't give a shit if they all jump on me afterwards and call me all these disgusting names. I'm still not going to let you say something without saying something back. That's just how I am. That's so, what we love about, you know, whatever the fights at 145, where do you walk around at? Uh, I walk around at 165. Okay, good. Okay. So it's actually better for you at 45. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I was already on my way down from uh, for the Invicta fights anyway. And, um, you know, I kind of was, uh, got down to about 55 and then they called me about this fight and, and, you know, I've already been training and training camp hard. So, you know, my coach is like, put some weight back on, but it just doesn't happen when you're training so hard, you know? So I just, I just kind of wrote it out and I just been hanging out at 55 and trying to hold this 10 pounds on and, and, uh, you know, I just cut this last 10 pounds this last week, and, and I'll be good. Now, I've met three of your girlfriends before. I met, obviously, Michelle Old. We're not going to talk about her. But then I met that little Mexican girl that came up to me in Vegas that was like, hey, I'm Tanya's old girlfriend. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I met the, the, the model that you picked up on Tinder or Grindr uh, that you came into. No, the- I didn't pick her up on anything. I met her at a gay bar. Oh, yeah, that I don't girl. I people online, guys, just so you know. Okay. I don't have to meet these girls online. I'm way better looking in person. You are. You're a very good looking girl. Uh, you're very, especially when you put makeup up on and actually look like a girl okay but, but, but i'm saying yeah. so, so you know you are a very attractive girl you got those freckles and those eyes and when you actually get done up i'm like damn if if only she liked anyway so uh any girlfriends now are you dating anybody no 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 i uh i have kind of told myself uh a while back when i was fighting for evicted that i'm not gonna freaking have any freaking girlfriends because obviously then that's on my brain instead of fighting. And I don't, I don't like any distractions. So, um, I don't like drama. I don't like to answer to anybody. And obviously girls need a lot of attention and I don't want to give them a lot of attention. I want to focus on my career and, and my freedom. So you haven't, so, been, you so know, you, just, uh, so you, I just do what I do. So you, you haven't <laughs> been late in how long? Have I not had a girlfriend? No. When was the last time you got, you got, you got laid? What was it? How, how, how long has it been? Oh, I'm not saying I don't have, uh, I don't, I'm not saying I don't date girls. <laughs> Oh, oh, I just okay. don't. They aren't my girlfriend. Oh, okay. So you're you're still getting some your your thing on, right? You're still hooking up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Still, all right. Yeah, come on. I I gotta make sure now. Uh, now is everybody now? Are you working at all construction? Uh, no, I haven't been working for a little bit uh, since I took that Invicta fight. I, I stopped, and uh, every fight I just kind of take off and and focus on fighting. I'm gonna make a payday, so I don't need to work during that time, and you know. Then I blow my whole wallet in my savings account for my training camp, and then I uh, turn around and fight and make a little more. Good. I, I'm so happy for you. I mean, I am so rooting for you, Tanya. I, I think you can do it. Honestly, people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, no. Tanya has the style and the grit, and I just feel like you can, you can break her. No one's, nobody's ever stood up to her. It's like, it's like the bully that no one stands up to. But I feel like you can yeah, stand think, up to the bully. I think that she just she is that, and I think that people are so intimidated when they first go in there, man. And they're victims. They're victims right off the bat. And I'm sorry, but I cannot let somebody beat the shit out of me. I'm gonna fight back. It's crazy. Now, now, Steve, what would you tell uh, Tanya if you were in her corner? 
I would say be sure that when you do the post-fight interview that you call out somebody or do something spectacular and make people remember you because that's your moment. Uh, the fight itself, we know what you need to do. You need to get into the clinch. You need to tangle her up and get your arms around her neck. But that post-fight mm-hmm. interview is where you get paid, Tanya. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Are now and and in Invicta, you used to make out with the girl who was who was talking to you. Are you going to try that with Rogan? What's she so? Uh, hell no! I, I obviously don't kiss guys, so they're all safe in the UFC. <laughs> but um, obviously, if them girls want to make out afterwards, I'm available oh, and single. You've kissed, you wait, you've <laughs> never kissed a guy in your life. Uh, yeah, and obviously I didn't like it. I'm super gay now. <laughs> disgusted. Hey, so I went on my I went on Twitter yesterday or the day four and I said, That's it, I'm starting over on Facebook, I'm deleting all the dudes and I'm only adding the ladies because I don't oh, like come the ladies. On. And I seriously had so many dudes like, Fine, we won't follow you, we just won't watch you. I used to be a fan, blah 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 and I was like, Well then delete yourself, bro, don't follow me and we're talking about Twitter, not even I was talking about Facebook, but this is on Twitter when people are saying it and he's like, Already done. Guys are so ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, get the hell off my Facebook so that I can add more girls. Oh, like, come what is on. wrong with you? Yeah, but people are so stupid. They have no sense of humor. Uh, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're so funny. You're so now. Are your parents have they finally come to terms that you're a lesbian? Or are they still waiting for you to go back to guys? Well, my brother says my mom keeps talking about maybe someday, but uh, I think I think she's hitting that uh, peace pipe a little too hard because it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> There's no way I want to go back and ever kiss a dude again. It wasn't fun the first time. Wait, I know it ain't gonna be again. What, wait, how old now were you? Now that I'm older, uh, how old were you when you went back? How old were you when you kissed this dude? Um, when was the last time I kissed a dude? Shoot. Um. Well, there was this one time in college uh, where I was super drunk, and I only kissed the dude so I could kiss his girlfriend. <laughs> but, I mean, that's like a sacrifice that I was willing to take. You know what I mean? The girl was super hot. Did it work? Uh, it was just one of them things. Did it work? Yeah, it worked. So you, Hell yeah, it worked. So you kissed the guy, and then he, and then you were, he was like, you can kiss my girlfriend now? Well, I was trying to kiss her, but he was a little uptight, so... Uh, we had to like negotiate this. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. How many girls have you turned? Uh, I date pretty much all straight girls. It's weird. Like uh, they're always straight when I meet them. And then uh, yeah, I don't know. I like the challenge, man. Oh, Jesus. Jeez. Them gay girls are just not as fun. You're never meeting my wife. She, my wife is not going. Yeah. My, my wife's going nowhere near you. I do not need her. To- <laughs> <laughs> uh, straight girls love me, and moms love me. I'm waiting to pull that little hat trick. Get a mom and a daughter. Obviously not at the same time, because that'd be gross. But you know, I'm trying to get a hat trick going on here. That have do you have you hooked up a lot of girls that have kids? That have kids? Yes, yes. All right. And, and did the, the, the kids usually like you? I mean, if I was a kid and you were my new dad, I'd, I'd, I'd be thrilled. I'd be like, my dad, you know, you like fight and yeah, because I would beat up their dad. That's it. <laughs> wow. Hey, so so I was at uh, Invicta this weekend, and uh, Lord Sanko, that that girl I kissed on Invicta, she was having a birthday party for her son. And obviously I'm good friends with her and her husband, you know. Um, you know, they didn't press charges, so we became friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I was friends with them before then. Right. But um, so they invite me and the ring girls uh, to go over to their house for a birthday party. So we all, me and the ring girls and my coach and Duber over there and stuff. 
And I was like, well, it's about time for me to meet your son. He's got to meet who his new daddy is. Oh, like, it was super funny. I don't. That's hilarious. He's got a good, her husband's got a good sense of humor, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he had, to meet, he had to meet me. I mean, it's just about time. All right, so who are the top three girls at 135 and 115 that you'd like to date? Oh, shit. Or even just hook up with. You don't have to date them. You're just like top three girls. All right, uh, Paige Van Zandt, 15. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely hump her. You'd hump her. Uh, Rowdy Beck? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I don't like uh, girls that uh, hump a lot of people or kind of have the image of, that they hump a lot of people. It kind of grosses me out. Uh, right, totally got <laughs> I keep it. I saying I'm looking for that virgin, a virgin. Uh, Joanna Young Jun- Juncheck? Um, yeah, she's cute. She's cute. Uh, Claudia, the Brazilian, she's hot. The Brazilian, come on. Claudia... Yeah, there's just something about her that I don't... Yeah, yeah, I'd probably hump her. <laughs> you, you probably hump her. All right, uh, what about Kat Zingano? No. No, why not? Uh, I just know her from way back, and, you know, I know her. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Uh, Sarah McMahon? Yeah, not about it. No. No. Uh, Misha Tate? No. <laughs> Come on. Julia Budd? Uh, Julia Budd. Yeah, she's cute. Julia Budd. No. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a thing about it. I have a thing about girls that are bigger than me, too. Okay. I don't like girls that are bigger than me. I like to be. What about the ring I like girls? to be a uh, boy Je- in the relationship. Jessica Penny? Uh, yeah, she's cute. Jessica Penny's cute. There I liked her. I liked her before she had her little nose thing done. Uh, you know what? I I think girls are better, but with their bigger noses as well. Mm-hmm. I I like. I think that that makes them different. And then when they get their nose jobs, that, yeah, yeah. I think that she stood out a little bit more, and I liked her. She's a little bit unique and stuff. But uh, you know, the I, one that had to deal with it my whole life. So obviously, I can't say shit. <laughs> I, I I totally agree. What about um, uh, what's uh, Juliana Pena? Um. Yeah, 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 I'd hump her. <laughs> She'd be very... You, you wouldn't date her, though. Too much drama, right? She seems like a girl. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I would say I wouldn't date any of them girls. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I thought we were just talking about humping. Humping, that's totally... Uh, how, come we're, how come it's all uh, uh, USC girls? You know Invicta's full of really hot girls. That's true. Uh, we were just talking about Jen Yu Fry, a very attractive girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah right? Jen Yu Fry. Uh, yeah. Uh, what about um, uh, the girl that you beat, uh, Penny... Kianzad? No. 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 What about threesome? I don't with, like any. What about threesome with Tisha Torres and Raquel Pennington? No. <laughs> Why? Come on. <laughs> no, I wouldn't hump either one of them. Uh, Come on. Okay, all right. Uh, Let's get real. Let's get real now. I'm getting real. All right. Uh, Amber Brown? <laughs> um, no. 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 Uh, what about Roxanne Modafari? She's a virgin. Roxanne Modafari's got to be, right? Roxanne? Roxanne Modafari is not a virgin. She had sex one time. Really? With who? Yeah, 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 yeah. McLovin? With who? A Japanese guy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there's this... I would hump that, like, uh, uh, that girl from... uh, Where's she at? She won on Invicta this weekend at Sune... uh, Oh, yeah, the girl that won. Yeah, okay. David's daughter chick. Yeah. I'd hump her or something about her. I swear when I talk to her, she looks at me, like, so hard, wants to look in my eyes. I'm like... Or is this like, like, do they do that over there? Is that how they talk? Or do you want to fuck? I don't know. I getting mixed signals here. I don't understand it, but yeah. <laughs> well, got it. What about the karate hottie? Come on. You'd hit that. Yes. 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 Yeah, of course. I and mean, the karate hottie, that's probably, uh, and then, uh, what about Ronda Rousey? No. 
No. Why, why wouldn't you hump Rhonda? Uh, uh, her personality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, a lot of them girls are actually questionable because of their personality. I like sweet girls, man. I, I, I like really sweet, innocent kind of girls. Sometimes they're, they're looking really fine, but their personality is just a complete turn off. What about Jessica? I'm sure that a lot of people. Jessica who? Jessica, I? yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably hump her. Uh, Aspen Lad? No. No. Oh, you know who came to, the girl who came to my show that trains over, uh, there was a girl that came to my show that is in the UFC, the girl that lost to, um, uh, lost to, uh, uh, what's, what's her name? The girl that, uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, the black girl, um, who's a really good striker, uh, she lost to her, uh, Who's, uh, uh, she lost to Angela, Angela Hill. Angela Hill. Yeah, the girl that she beat uh, is really hot. Uh, she's super hot. Um, you know what I'm talking about? She was yeah. in Invicta. She just fought her, she just fought her on uh, UFC? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you would like her. Uh, you would definitely <laughs> like her. Uh, I'm going to find her name right now. Uh, she's I'd probably have both them, Mex- both them Mexican girls, too, Aldana and Grasso. Oh, yeah, those... Ashley Yoder. Oh, Yoder, yeah, yeah. I don't like her personality too much, but I don't know her that well. I just think she's kind of cocky, but I don't know her, so I guess I can't even make that that judgment. (laughs) Of course, of course. What about, what's her name? Um, uh, You know, the girl who's always naked, uh, who fought the girl that shit herself. uh, uh, Oh, Felice? Yeah, Felice Herrig. Uh, Felice seems like she has sex with a lot of people. Right. Okay. You're tough. You gotta have. You're, you gotta have. You got a hot girl who doesn't put out. Basically, is what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. A hot girl that doesn't put out. Oh, that's man. exactly what I want. Ah, uh, that's that's hard. That's uh, there's not that many of them. Yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. That's why I'm single. Yeah. I'm holding out for for the the best deal. What about Betch Kahea? No. <laughs> why? She got a nice butt. Nice butt. She's disgusting. <laughs> she probably has a disease. <laughs> probably got a disease. <laughs> this is the best. She's the best. This isn't this girl the best. <laughs> I mean, Tanya. How could you not love Tanya? The most honest human being I ever met in my entire Tanya, life. Tanya, you are awesome. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I know, and it's uh, like a uh, truthful to a to a fault, man. <laughs> yes, honest to a fault. That's why people are like, I hate it, that. Bitch. It's like I have what, lots of haters, and yeah. probably half the girls are going to hate me because of this. <laughs> Either because I want to fuck them or I don't. <laughs> Now, now, when you, I gotta ask because I, I don't know much about lesbian sex other than stuff I've seen on the internet. Like when you say you fuck them, like I mean, is it like you put a toy in them or you have the strap on and get behind them? Like how does it how does it work? Tell me about lesbian sex with you. Um. Well, I if I told you, then you guys would almost be on the same level as me, and I can't do that. Oh. Plus, it gets way too graphic and really? sexual, and like you guys would you guys would be banging the bottom of the table over there. No way. No, really. Come on. <laughs> oh, no, I don't feel... I'm, I'm not going to tell you how I, I mean, have sex with girls. What's is, wrong with you? Is it like a rabbit? Do you <laughs> eat the rabbit? And just like... It's, it's like... Uh, it's magical. It's just something you can't describe. It's magical. And that's why um, they're all in love. That's why they all fall in love with you. Yeah, I get it. I, I, yeah, yeah, man. I, I, There's just something... Something yes. great about it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, all right. Well, listen, Tanya, good luck. I will be there. Okay, in victory defeat, I love you. I have a feeling you're gonna win. I'm gonna put. I'm putting money on you. I'm putting money on you. I, you know, I know you guys like to put pressure on me by saying that, but 
No, I'm just I'm saying. I'm trying to win this fight. I, I tell you right now, I'm trying to win this freaking fight. Yes, you can do it. I know you can do it. I know you can. You, listen, nobody has worked harder than you, okay? And, and that's all you got to know that. That you, you, you've earned this spot. You've earned it. From, from college wrestling to, to Strike Force to Invicta to here to all the fights you've had, you deserve to be here. And people are, yeah. and people are bringing you in because they think you're going to lose, but you're not going to lose because you always prove them wrong. Okay? So, I love proving people wrong. I know. Especially the men. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so good luck, Tanya. Good luck, Tanya. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks. Respect. All right, that was Tanya Avenger. Gotta love that girl, huh? She's awesome, man. Seriously. Uh, I, ho- I hope I one day have a son just like her. Um, so, <laughs> no, she's, 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 she's amazing. She's, she, she really is. I mean, you know, she's super tough, and she makes the adjustments, and she's on a roll right now. Yeah. She is. I mean, she, she's got the kind of tr- you know, blunt trauma style. It's like a crash test dummy style. And she'll go in there, and she she doesn't care. She's not. It's not about a beauty pageant. She's not looking for Twitter followers. She's just look, looking to get rough and dirty, and that's what she's going to do against Chris. That's the thing is, I think people they go in there and they it's like Tyson when they fought Tyson. They they lose uh, right before the and Tyson said he knew it psychologically. Even when I, when I was in high school, uh, my senior year of wrestling, I was undefeated. I, I went twenty one and one. I lost my last match in the national semifinals. I got uh, I got. Or the third round, I got impetigo and ended up losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't train, but whatever. But my point is, is that like I had an air about me mm-hmm. that people never gave me the matches they gave other wrestlers because they, they they lost before they got me, and that was a very small thing. Take times that by a thousand, and you've got what it's like fighting Cyborg or fighting Tyson and fighting these bullies and uh, and these people. They 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 fall apart. They fall apart. They get hit once. They go, fuck. And there's that st- the stuff that she's been behind the scenes and taking all this shit and all these pressures and lost some and come back. And then now she's, she's, she's endured the losses and become a better fighter as a result. A lot of people, they get b- beat up in their mind. You can't break her mentally. They, they would have quit. A lot yeah, of people exactly. would have quit. They, a lot of people would have said, you know what? I mean, she does construction during the fucking day. Yeah, yeah. She was the Invicta champion. Yeah. What other... Champions of organizations, which is the best female organization other than the UFC uh, in, in the world. Mm-hmm. And they got to work. I mean, like, I talk to people all the time. And like, you know, like it's like one of those things where anytime you make a living doing something that you enjoy, you end up paying the price because <laughs> everybody wants to do it. When you're younger, most six-year-olds, peop- six-year-olds they don't say, I want to be an accountant. Or, or uh, unless their dad's an accountant, or they go, oh, what do you want to do? I, I want to do a drummer. I want to do ad sales for a pharmaceutical company. You don't hear that from an eight-year-old, okay? But you will hear, I want to be a fighter. I want to be a musician. Mm-hmm. I want to be an actor. I want to be a comedian. Uh, you know, the comedians are probably fourth on that list. Uh, I want to be priest. I want to, yeah, priest. Whatever you want. So anytime you do one of those jobs that everybody wants to do. You pay the price of struggling. Most people, and, you know, you you have the Drew Barrymores and and the people that are sort of born into it, and she has struggled in her own way. But you have those people that, you know, they get lucky. You know, they, they get the Crystalia is a very funny comic, but his father is a huge producer. You get that that helps. Mm-hmm. You can't say it doesn't help. It it, it it helps when you're Julio Caesar Chavez Jr. Uh, you you know you it helps. You probably wouldn't have got that point. Granted, he was a good fighter, a great fighter, but he wouldn't have gotten those breaks mm-hmm. had he not been. You know, it helps. So what I'm trying to say is, when you have that kind of dream job, job that people would pay to do, um, you're going to struggle. And mm-hmm. and 
uh, sometimes you struggle to the extent of fuck. You, you're you're the champion and you're doing construction. Like I talked to Timothy Johnson, mm-hmm. who's like number the twelfth ranked heavyweight in the UFC, and he drives Uber, and he works at a strip club as a bouncer. He's got two jobs, and he's ranked number eleven in the world in the most popular division, quote unquote, as the heavyweight. When you're usually the heavyweight, you're the most. I mean, Stipe Miocic is the heavyweight champion of the UFC, and he is still a firefighter. Mm. You cannot tell me there's any other sport other than like darts or uh, <laughs> I, I don't know another sport. If you're the best golfer in the world, you don't have time to be a paramedic slash firefighter, Uber driver. Uh, if, you're the, if, if, you, if you're in the NBA and you're Adam, whatever the fuck, that kid played for Xavier, Adam, forgot his last name, but he was on the Lakers and he never played. But he's still got $20 million. The funny thing is, is as soon as they have to give up their jobs so they can train full time, they'll probably start losing. That's what he said. That's, that, that's, right? what he, that's what he said. He said he lost when he gave up his job. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Stipe, you know, as soon as he gives up his firefighting job, he's probably going but, <laughs> but he's got a big fight coming up. Uh, who's Stipe fighting? Kane. Again? Yeah. Oh, when's that, when's that coming? Uh, I just read about it. It's, it's going to come again. But I, I think that that's the logical move for the heavyweight. Oh, division. yeah. Because who else is it going to be? Stipe is uh, one of those guys where he's almost the perfect fighter. Yeah. Where uh, he's a mate, not, I wouldn't say he's the best at everything, but he's incredible at everything. Like, and, and that is why he's so hard to beat. There's not, he was a college wrestler. Mm-hmm. He was a, uh, I think, a Golden Glove boxer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got good grappling. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the mm-hmm. national champion wrestler. He wasn't an Abu Dhabi winner. He's not Verdum. That's always a kiss of death. When you're a world kickboxing champion or, or you know, Abu Dhabi champion or something, it, it, most of those don't rise up. You know, I'm talking about in the competitive day of 2017, you know, going into 2018 mixed martial arts. That's almost a kiss of death to, to where you've got too much ego to where you can't unlearn that stuff to go back into the gym and learn to piece all the things well, something together. Something like Maya... Yeah, but Damian Maya got that's one guy that's an exception, and he also got knocked out by Mark Hart and got humbled and yeah, fought his way back. But he's got a strong mind to come back. Now he's in the fight with Woodley, and that that's going to be a good fight. Yeah, that's we, on that card also. Yeah, that card is going to be sick. I think Woodley, for some reason, I think Woodley knocks him out in the Woodley, first second round. As soon as Woodley touches you, if he catches you anywhere around the, the the noggin, man, you're done. But Woodley seems to like the guys that he struggles the most are the guys that. Can hurt him on the feet, yeah. Wonder Boy. Yeah, being like he was, he was kind of. In some ways, you gave too much respect to Wonder Boy. Mm-hmm. Not that you don't, he doesn't earn that respect, mm-hmm. but he was a little gun shy. The second fight, more, more than the first. Right, fight. Whereas, first fight he beat the hell out of him. Whereas Maya, I don't think he fears at all on the feet. No, but that's where he's got to be careful because if he goes head hunting with those punches, the duck under is really right there, and you're, you're a wrestler. You don't yeah. understand when the guy's punching at you. And then, then if you kick at the guy, the guy's going to try and scoop your leg. So damned if you do. And Maya is a good wrestler in his own style. He's not a collegiate-style yeah. wrestler. He's a jujitsu style wrestler. You know what I mean? You, I know what you mean. I think people used to say that also about uh, Machida. People, yeah. Wrestlers said that Machida could have been a college wrestler yeah. based on... And that's the thing about MMA wrestling. Only like... There's, like, there's hundreds of moves in wrestling, mm-hmm. but uh, thousands of moves even, but only like 10 you need to be good at. Like yeah, a double yeah, leg, yeah. A, a, a snap down to a, to a kind of, you know, a choke. I mean, a single leg off the cage, not even like a low single, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an arm drag. I mean, but there's not like... 
you're not really throwing Japanese wizards uh, in wrestling. You're throwing a wizard, but you're not throwing a jet. I mean, there's a lot of moves that just aren't, you're not starting from up and down. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a great, you did a stand up, but hitting a switch, okay, but you're not going to sit, sit out turn in and wrestling and MMA usually, or some of these other moves are not really, don't really translate. Uh, and plus the other guy can move around whereas in wrestling if a guy moves just dances away away from you and throws a jab you can't throw a jab yeah, in yeah. wrestling you know I mean but it, but it makes sense for a guy like Maya or Machito would, would pick it up so fast because you only need 10, 10 moves uh, if that I think this is the best Maya and this is the best Woodley so that's why this is such a great fight because it's one of those things where it could go either way but also Woodley's the kind of guy that uh, um, you know when people doubt him is one he's he's dangerous, and I think that uh, Maya is the same way. Maya, yeah, he really is because people all oh, know you're going to get crushed by this guy, and then, and then he goes and murders him. Yeah, I, right. I mean, look, Maya versus Gunnar Nelson was like oh, yeah. it was 2016 or something or yeah. 20, but I don't know. Both those guys, like I know Woodley didn't like getting booed in his last fight, though. I was there. That that had to have. But he sucked it up, and he still fought with strategy, and, and people didn't like it, especially the boss, you know. But uh, uh, contrarily, I think the main event, they're not going to have to worry about them engaging you know, in the rematch between Cormier and Jones. Right, right, right. So this week, let's talk about this week. I can't wait. By the way, who have in that fight, Cormier or Jones? Uh, it's really hard to go against John Jones, but dot, dot, dot. Uh, There's a long layoff, and his last fight wasn't that impressive against St. Prue. And he's had all the psychological stuff. He's been lifting, and that's not good. I, I, when a guy who's that fast and that cagey starts lifting weights, I don't like that. I think that this is the perfect storm for Daniel Cormier to take. He's got to make sure that weight cut is perfect. Right. Where he can't be a little bit gaunt at all. But I think he's got the best shot, but it's really hard for me to go against John Jones, so I'm going to basically be on the fence. You know, I was at the weigh-ins for the last fight, mm -hmm. and based on that, I'm like, sometimes you're like, Sometimes, like when when Ronda first lost to Holly Holm, the weigh-ins, I called my dad. I go, put let's put money on Holly Holm. I go, this girl is not right. You could just tell she's just she was like, oh, preacher's daughter, my ass, fuck you. And it was just something was off. And I saw the way that Cormier was in the weigh-ins, and he was so he had so much energy and so mentally going insane of a ah, uh, uh, that I'm like, okay. He's gonna burn out. He's gonna burn out. We and saw that with McGregor and Mayweather too. You know, McGregor was so amped up. I thought, wait. Hmm. The other guy's relaxed. Yeah, composed. He knows tomorrow's the time to get. And I told Cormier that, and he said, "You're a hundred percent right. That's exactly what happened the first time." I was in my head. I made the. You make the moment bigger than it is, mm -hmm. even though it's such a huge moment. Mm -hmm. It becomes bigger than just the fight. You, sometimes you want it too much, so you put too much pressure on yourself. Oh, you know this. You're a competitor. It happens in auditions. It yeah. happens oh, in yeah, comedy yeah. when, like, comedy it. where yeah. it's like, I gotta kill. I gotta kill. I gotta kill. Not, I gotta tell a funny joke. Not, I gotta tell. I got. Here's the setup. Pause. Here's the punchline. Pause. Here's the tag. Pause. Let him hear it. Enunciate. Make eye contact. All the shit that I should be focused on. It's I gotta kill. It's I gotta have the end result. The end result is the most important thing. And when you do that, you're fucked. Because you're, you're, now you're like, you're not even putting in the time of, I got a jab, or I got a fucking double leg. What's that comedian, Stephen Wright? Stephen Wright, yeah. 
Do you think he he's the gets empty? Uh, I do. I'm down here. Uh, he he has some of the fun. He has a. It's he's a sm- fucking. It's a small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. I mean, he just has some of the funniest. He was a guy who was ahead of his time. Yeah. And then. But he doesn't get amped up, and there's no pressure with him. No pressure with him. Zero. I mean, I think that works for him though. See, it works for him. Yeah, yeah. And I think Mitch Hedberg was a great example of somebody who was a derivative from Stephen Wright, but mm-hmm. did it his own way. Uh, the other end of the universe is Sam Kinison. Oh, yeah. Oh, the he's opposite. great. He's like the opposite. There's got to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You don't want to, like you've seen it with Aldo, with McGregor. You know, he wanted it too much. He ran straight in. He got knocked out. But then there are guys that uh, sometimes like when Sam Alvey fights or, mm. or you're just like, man, when are you guys going to start fighting? There's the people that are just too relaxed. I like the Nick Diaz performance against Anderson Silva. In the fight because yeah, yeah. he saved the smack up until in the fight. Yeah, and I thought he did some stuff like yeah. the beach move and the whole thing. Yeah, uh, and now that Anderson wants a rematch, well, I'm thinking, wait a minute, why don't you just maybe go to, off to pasture a little bit? Yeah, Silva is a guy that you know. I understand when you're that good, when you're that good at anything, mm-hmm. and you're the best in the world. What it takes to be the best in the world, most people will never know. Uh, I'll never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, ho- I want to be the best comic in the world. I'm probably not be the best comic in the world. But mm-hmm. when you're the best in the world at something, it just takes such linear focus that when you're no longer the best in the world, it eats you up. And a lot of these guys, they just can't leave on a loss, which is why you see BJ Penn still fighting and Anderson Silva still fighting and Roy Jones still fighting. And... All these guys, it's like, what more do you have to prove? You, you've already proven it. Mm-hmm. You've given us everything you want. Spend time with your wife, y- your kids. Open up a school. Train other fighters. Give back. And you can't tell any of those guys, no, because they're going to say, oh, you, you don't know. You've never been there. Ah, you know, They should basically step away because they're going to get brain damage. But you oh. look at, especially the, the pride guys. You look yeah. at Mark Kerr losing his last like four fights, or mm-hmm. Kevin Ramleman losing like seven out of eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baroni, I love Baroni, but his last, you look at his last, uh, it's, it's one in nine in his last 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see these guys, Gary Goodrich, I mean, who has brain damage. Uh, yeah. You see these guys, and you're just like, okay, man. You, Never you, quit is, becomes a curse. It becomes a curse because you, you have to know when to quit. But no, none of them ever do. I mean, what? Who? Rocky Marciano? That's about it. He got killed in a car accident, a plane accident. Yeah, plane. He, yeah, was, yeah. he was coming back home to train for a comeback. Yeah, that's the thing. And a lot of these guys, what happens is they go to the gym, and they do really well against mm-hmm. some of these younger guys. It's an addiction. And, it's it's like it's a psychological addiction. And it's also a paycheck. The, the, the club. Yeah, of course, because like when 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 Randy found out, well, are they going to pay Fade or how much? The guy. It's hard to is to retire because it doubles and triples and then you got well if I come back one fight and then you, it's like dodging bullets for a living or we're going back in one more drug deal and I won't get caught I won't get assassinated well it's dangerous yeah didn't you guys see a heat yeah. Yeah, yeah, like Al Pacino had that girl she was beautiful yeah uh, but Jens Pulver another yeah. guy mm-hmm. um, and, and you know I, I know Bellator can make money on these guys and they're you know Banners A. Silva Chael Center. You know, I don't mind it a little bit when it's they pair the old guys versus the old guys. Mm-hmm. Even though you're still taking punishment, for some reason it seems like it's less punishment. Mm-hmm. But when you see uh, Yair Rodriguez versus BJ Penn, and you, you see some of these guys, you just I don't know. It's not fun for me. It's not fun. And I Fedor against Mitrione. 
Yeah. I mean, he got clipped. And how many times before he decides, well, maybe not? I mean, who's he going to fight next? Gokan Saki? I don't think so. Please don't do it. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, you were the greatest of all time. Yeah. And you, were the, you beat Mark Coleman in his prime. Yeah. Twice. And yeah. Mark Coleman, a primed, roided up Mark Coleman, mm-hmm. you beat. I, well, he beat Noguera when Noguera was the number one fighter. People forget that because they see Noguera lose all these fights, you know, currently. Other but, guys. T- yeah. Noguera was the king. He was a pride champion. He was he beat everybody. Sammy Schoep, Mark Coleman, you know, and then when Fedor beat him in his guard, that was a big deal. That was like Ali Frazier three. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, and I, you know, I know people go, well, you know, you, you know, people get mad at me and they go, well, it's a paycheck. But look, Rashad Evans is a friend of mine. I love Rashad. But if he loses to Sam Alvey, Maybe it's time, Rashad. You know, you're you're young enough to have a career, and it's it's a shame that I'm sorry that the UFC is bringing in Snoop Dogg to commentate when fucking Rashad Evans is right there. You know, mm-hmm. or these other or Jens Pulver. Mm-hmm. You tell me, I would listen to or Don Fry mm-hmm. or Ken or Dan Severn mm-hmm. or, or or you mm-hmm. or uh, a lot of these guys that I would be like, okay. You, you tell me if, if Don Fry or, or any of these guys, if fucking Tank Abbott, fucking roll him out there and have him fucking, I would love to hear Tank Abbott talk fighting. I mean, come on. Yeah, he, Tank Abbott's funny, but you know, who knows where he's at now because I haven't seen David for a long to Tank right. for a long time. But, uh, you know, that's a wear and tear lifestyle, that much alcohol consumption. Oh, yeah, it right. Is. But it maybe is. Tank Abbott's not the best guy. But Guy Metzger, there's a lot of guys out there. That oh, yeah, they- Guy. I'd love to work with Guy. There's a lot of guys I'd like to work with in a booth. You, you mentioned Eber Edwards. I, I'm so glad he's getting some play on Fox, and now he's doing some commentary with And know, the nicest I, guy in the world. Guy, classy guy, knows every damn thing, and he's a very progressive guy and a creative guy, too. A lot of people know how to, to call the nuts and bolts and repeat what everybody else knows, but to be creative, that's... Yeah, it's yeah. into the commentating. That's a whole other discussion. A hundred percent. Now, this week on Fox, Chris Wyman's taking on Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, if you would have told me four years ago that Chris Wyman was taking on Kelvin Gastelum in a main event, uh, and Kelvin, more people were picking Kelvin, I'd be like, "What? You're you're out of your Chris Wyman, who just beat Anderson Silva twice yeah, and yeah. V- Vitor Belfort, and all. You're out of your mind." But right now. It's it's hard to pick against Kelvin. Yeah, Chris has lost his last three fights. He didn't look good against Musasi his last fight. He looked okay until he, but he took him down ninety times and couldn't finish him. And mm-hmm. I think Chris is a black belt in jujitsu uh, and a, an amazing wrestler, a four time All American. Kelvin is a gamer. Everybody says they train with Kelvin. He looks terrible in practice, but he goes out there and he puts it on. Now the thing is, I mean, Mike Dolce said that Kelvin could be one fifty five. He's fighting now at one eighty five. Is this a situation where I know Kelvin beat Tim Kennedy? I know he beat uh, Vitor Belfort, who's a shell of the Vitor Belt that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And but is this a situation where it's a good big guy versus a good smaller guy? I think Kelvin should stick at 185 because he tried the weight cuts before and forget 155. He couldn't make 170. I mean, he's he's a really tough guy. I think he's a magical fighter. I think he's he kind of reminds me of BJ Penn in his prime because he gets things done 
in a very original way. He's not the thing where textbook, this happens, and he does this textbook move like everybody plans for it. He, he's the kind of guy when, when the switch goes on and he gets in the ring. A lot of people say, as you said before, in the gym, he's not that impressive. But that's a good thing because there's nothing worse, Adam, as you know, than a gym fighter who gets inside the ring or cage and falls flat. Yes. Calvin's the opposite of that. Mike Pyle comes to mind, and nothing against Mike Pyle. He said it himself. He had, obviously, some amazing wins in the octagon, but yeah. people say in the gym, Mike Pyle beats everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, so do you pick in Kelvin in this fight? Yes, I do. Over Chris Weidman? Yes, over wow. Chris Weidman. That's, uh, that's, uh, Kel- both are friends of mine. Kelvin's been on the show. Kelvin's also a guy that like... I never met Chris, but he's a classy guy, a wonderful guy. And I yeah. picked him to beat Anderson the first time. And so the did I. Time. I told Dana White, after watching Chris beat uh, Tom, the guy, Tom, the guy that always had the funny entrances, Tom, uh, Tom, Tom Lawler. Lawler. And when he beat Tom Lawler in one round, I said, because I'm, I'm from Long Island, and I, you, you heard the buzz about Chris Weidman. Mm-hmm. I said, Dana, there's this guy that you have on your roster, and Chris, and Dana couldn't remember his name. And I, he goes, it was like, I go, no, Chris Weidman. Or, or Weidman, yeah. He goes, oh, I go, this guy is going to be the champion. Mm-hmm. I told Dana that. Mm-hmm. Dana's like, oh, okay, well, you know, he, he's a tough kid. Mm-hmm. And then I was right about him. Uh, well, I think he's the only guy I've been right about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't like to uh, predict fights, but I will. I'm, I'm like sodium pentothal, and people ask me a question, I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah, of how I feel about it. Uh, Nunez, I've been right about her. Mm-hmm. Nunez, when she uh, when she beat Jermaine Durandame, and mm-hmm. just and she was it was even before the Sarah McMahon. I'm like, uh, this girl could be the champion. Mm-hmm. Amanda Nunez, I called it, and then I called. I I, I still think Bellator, the the kid's going to be the champion. The uh, National cha- to me, uh, Dar- uh, Darion Caldwell is going to be the champion. Mm-hmm. He was a national champion. What about Michael Benham Page? I think he's going to. He hasn't faced a wrestler yet. Not not faced face a wrestler yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I understand what they're doing, but you know, it, yeah, but it's, it's eventually, enough. eventually, you, have, you can't stack the deck. You but, it, just, but he's pulling out of fights a lot. It's something a little weird. What, injuries or I don't know what the Paul Daly thing was supposed to happen. That would have been a yeah. Paul will test your chin. That's not going to be see that that fight. Man, Paul Daly, he's still got to work on his wrestling, man. McDonald took him to school. It's an MMA fight. It's not a chin versus chin fight. I know. Paul, yeah, Paul Daly's one of those dudes who, who is always going to be exciting to watch, but you're right. You, you got to. I, I don't know why Paul Daly does not go to a, a wrestling gym and just say, you know what? Beat me up every day. It's hard to do that slap dash, quick fix type training. You've got to basically have that in your program all the way, or you don't. Jackson Winklejohn, a.k.a. Matt Hume, these people have everything. they got everything. And they bring in people the same. They, they, it's not like they know all the, all the answers. Matt Hume actually does. But you know, a lot of those people bring in wrestling specialists all the time, the Kenny Johnsons or whoever it is, to really tune you up on a constant basis. But they don't bring it in last minute uh, to, for three and that, weeks. But I don't think those specialists are the answer. I think... I think training with college wrestlers or training with guys like the Colby Covingtons and the, the, the wrestlers but, but look at the, Look at the champions about what, how they train and who they train with. The champions. I'm not talking about the, the, the other cattle. I mean, the champions like John Jones, for instance, the greatest fighter, right? I, I think he's the greatest fighter yeah, yeah. in MMA. I mean, he's got the same program, the same hierarchy that they bring in. And they bring in certain guys, but they have the same brain trust that handles him the whole time. He's not jumping over here and by himself yeah. training with some wrestlers. He's not, that's yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. That doesn't work. You're right, you're right. That doesn't work. But the only thing Paul Daly would, would benefit from... They need, he needs it, but he needs it on a consistent basis, right. not the quick fix training. Yeah, no. I, it's not going to work. I, I knew a guy that got... Uh, 
called up to the UFC and his coach called me and he's like, hey, he's got a fight in, in a week against a wrestler. Can you give me Bubba Jenkins' number? And I'm like, a week? <laughs> like, yeah, see, that, that quick fix stuff doesn't work. It's Otherwise, never going to work. Camacho, Camacho would have beaten Chavez and Phil Baroni would have been the greatest of all time. I mean, when these guys jump from place to place to place yeah, all yeah. over the place, they, they, they shortchange themselves. They, yeah. they, there's a lack of confidence in that. Right. Uh, Patrick Cummings versus Gian Vellante. I feel like this is the exact same fighter. Uh, Patrick, these, these guys, they, <laughs> they're both good wrestlers, both tough guys. Patrick mm-hmm. Cummings, I remember him when he was uh, in jail mm-hmm. uh, for stealing stuff with Eric Bradley at Penn State, going back to their, these guys went to, this, this Patrick Cummings guy was, uh, I think, second in the country in nationals, and Bradley was third, mm-hmm. and they went back to Penn State. They raided a bunch of dorm rooms, got arrested, spent a year in jail. Not the kind of jail he said that was like wasn't Rikers, mm-hmm. but it was like weekend jail, whatever. Totally derailed his career. Surprised Bellator didn't pick him up. Uh, yeah, I know. But then he came back because he called out uh, he called out Cormier on short notice, yeah, yeah. and then got into the UFC. Cormier then knocked him out. But Cummings had a good career then. But Volante is a guy who he's in every fight until he gets knocked out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, tough guy. I I think Cummings is gonna win this fight, but bo- it's a. Sort of the exact same fighter. That's a hard fight to pick, but you know you have to go with Cummings because he overcame that loss to Cormier and he's done well. Yeah, since he's been in the big show, so he, he's not going to fold under pressure. But I think you know it, the winner of that fight is definitely going to be in the spiral known as rankings, and right. who knows what will happen with them as far as career. But you know, yeah. And Thomas Almeida, who everybody was on the Almeida hype train until Colby Covington knocked him out, mm-hmm. taking on Jimmy Rivera, who's a guy who just beat Uriah Faber. He's a guy that had no respect, mm-hmm. uh, but he was the favorite against Uriah Faber, and your favorite was like third at the time or fourth. Mm-hmm. Uriah retired after that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he had one more fight against Brad Pickett and fight after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivera's a grinder, a grinder, mm-hmm. and I think he beats Almeida. I think a lot of times um, with these, these uh, I wouldn't say Brazil, any fighters, but a lot of Brazilian fighters, they have this ego about them. Machismo. And then you beat them once, and they just, they, go, they never. They fold? Yeah. It's tough to get over that because they, they pump themselves up so much with the machismo thing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, they, a they, lot of fight, not just they do, they do fall, you know, a long distance down because it's hard for them to come back. Like we mentioned Cummings earlier, Cummings came back after a big loss and then won. It, it takes a really strong guy to do that, you know. I think Cummings is coming up. But Cummings, it's funny though because these guys both have p- knockout power. I remember Cummings when he was living, living at Mayhem's house and he was like telling me how crazy Mayhem was. Gee, uh, really? Yeah, and I'm like, but like. Who knew? Uh, so he, he, he beat John Blachowicz. He lost to, yeah, he lost to Little Nog. Got knocked out in one round. I did not think he was going to lose to Little Nog and got knocked out by Glover before that. Mm-hmm. And he lost to OSP. But he beat Cavacante. All three of those guys are very tough guys though. Yeah. They're like top, you know, top 10 guys. You know, so losing to them isn't a complete basket case situation. Um, but then, uh, but then the other guy, uh, Gian, who was a college football player at Hofstra, mm-hmm. uh, and he's t- he another guy tough. But he he lo- he got knocked out his last fight, I believe, to Shogun, mm-hmm. a fight he was winning, uh, yeah. or he was doing okay. And then, but he he beat uh, he lost to Alir uh, Latifi, he lost to Tom Lawler, got knocked out a fight he was winning. Beat Anthony Parash, you know that guy. He's an mm-hmm. old school dude. Uh, lost to Fabio. Beat Co- lost to OSP. To beat Derek Meeman. Um, lost to Lorenz Larkin. Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be a good fight. This fight, you know, OSP is one of those interesting guys because I, I think that in his mind he's he's got a wall up. He can't go past a certain point. 
because he looks so good. I, because physically, he's got all the tools. But there's something that happens where he hits a wall in his brain. He's also the best guy at his gym. That's also a problem. Yeah. He's the best guy at his gym. And yeah. he, it's like, when you're the best guy at the gym, it's tough. Gym uh, fighter. So this guy, uh, this should be a good fight. Alex Oliveira, who just beat Tim Means. Um, uh, and he beat Will Brooks. A, a guy that he lost to Donald Cerrone, but that Will Brooks—that's a big win. Yeah, but he didn't make weight. He—he, he, I think he like. Yeah, I know, and that—that kind of qualifies it a little bit. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. I think if your opponent doesn't make weight by over two pounds, you shouldn't have to fight him, and you should get paid. Yeah, but that's not the case. There's a lot of things that aren't the case. Like the, what they talk about the Amanda Nunez situation where he, she, she didn't feel good. Didn't yeah. Feel good. You know, and I, I see both of, of the situations. But Chelsea Sona said there should be a forfeit rule. You know, I mean, in other sports, if, if somebody gets sick, then you've got a team, though. Or you, or you have to pull out of the tournament. And, you know, I don't know what the penalty should be in a situation like that if you don't miss weight. But it should be something. Well, it just seems like a lot of these guys, they, they – the guy misses weight by three, four, five pounds. Yeah, that's your and, job. And then they fight him, and then they lose. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, me and you are guys that, oh, yeah, he didn't make weight for that fight against Will Brooks. But other people are not going to. They just see the L, and that's all they know. And your negotiating power has got to go down when you lose. Exactly. So uh, it's bullshit. But so Ryan LaFleur is taking on Alvaro. LaFleur is a guy who uh, I, I think his one loss is to Damian Maya, hmm. uh, who, like I said, there's no. It's like not a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was in Brazil too. Yeah. He went to Brazil and he fought. To, yeah, he fought, lost to Maya, and he didn't. And he didn't get stopped by Maya. It was a twenty-five minute fight. Wow, um, that's impressive in Brazil. Yeah, so I'm gonna pick Ryan Lafleur mm-hmm. in this fight. He's a Long Island boy, mm-hmm. uh, and the fight's in Long Island. And you're not biased. Yeah, I'm completely biased. <laughs> but I also think you know. I think he's he's a guy that you know. Here's a guy who's thirteen and one mm-hmm. with a loss to Damian Maya. Mm-hmm. And he's on the prelims on Fox, and no one's talking about Ryan LaFlair. Is he, is he good on the mic, though? No. Remember I, t- I said to Tanya, no. I said, what's, 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 you said, what's your advice you give to Tanya? I didn't even talk about the fight, because I we know. know what she needs to do. She needs to get the clinch, get the thing on the floor, and get her arms around Chris's neck. But this guy, I mean, these guys, they have to think, don't be an impersonation of Conor McGregor, but you've got to do something. Well, I, look, I know like a lot of times people say, look, you're from America, you hit the jackpot, it's the mm-hmm. land of opportunity, it's the land of this, land of that. If Ryan LaFlair was from Poland, he'd be the fucking star of Poland. Yeah. If he was from... Uh, you know, where India, or if he was from Ireland, or he was from one of these countries, he'd be the talk of the town. The whole fucking country would be for him mm-hmm. because he's from America, and people just don't get it. We don't get excited for people that are thirteen and one if, if they don't. There's nothing special about him because now everybody's a fighter. There's so many fight shows. Everybody's a damn fighter. So it's like when the Beatles first came to America. There's the only band like that. Yeah. And then when all the other bands are like that, nobody cared anymore. Right. Uh, it's it's uh. So yeah, do something fun, LaFlair. Uh, Jeremy Kennedy, who's talking a ton of shit to Team Alpha Male. He's 10-0. Uh, he's fighting uh, Kyle Bochniak. I don't know who Kyle Bochniak is. Uh, we're going to look at him right now. He's 7-1. and one. Nickname is Crash. Uh, he's, he lost to Charles Rosa. He's a good fighter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's... Uh, so yeah, so this should be a good fight. Jeremy Kennedy's talking a lot of shit. I know that that's, but no one knows who he is. He's got like a thousand fi- uh, followers, but he's on the right path. This guy, Brian Kelleher, I love him. They brought him in to lose uh, last week, he, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I watched his fight. He, he, he beat Yuri Alcantara 
by submission in one round. Wow. And, uh, and then afterwards, went on the mic and he's like, Dana White, you fucking give me some of my bonus. This is bullshit. Uh, I took this fight on. I, I like this kid Kelleher. He's, uh-huh. he's good. And Tim Johnson, we were just talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fighting Junior Albini. Uh, and Chris Wade, another Long Island kid, Frank, Frankie Perez. The undercard's good. So that's, that's on Fox this week. Yeah, uh, I want to see Al Iquinta fight again, just because of the interviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the best. Boo me, fucking boo you. <laughs> that was, come on, that's one of the greatest moments ever. I told him he should have t-shirts say, boo me, fucking boo you, and he would have sold a lot of them, and he just, yeah. he didn't sell them. But, uh, he's selling homes, though. So was, uh, yeah, him and the other guy selling homes, too, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his buddy. Uh, that's the reality of the fight game, though. We're talking about Uber drivers, and we're talking about guys, that, you know, firefighters and stuff like that. That's the reality of the game. And it's, it's a high-risk situation. I'm not saying, you know, don't do it. But I've actually told people to don't do it because they came to me. Stephen, you know, I, w- I want to know how should I get it. And I'll say, what you just told me, I'm going to say don't do it. And they go, what? What? They get angry. Yeah. Then go to a gym and prove it. Well, this, this mother came up to me after a show this week. And I had a shirt. She wanted to buy a shirt. Uh, I had a, and it said, uh, it said, always train like the challenger. That was the shirt. I bought it. It's a cool shirt. It's like a box. and had boxing gloves. She's like, my kids are... My kids wrestle. Mm-hmm. One of them wants to become a fighter. I go, well, how's he doing? She's like, well, he, he hasn't had any amateur fights, but he's training at an MMA gym in Florida. But he might uh, go to, a, and she's like, Rufus? I'm like, Rufus? Yeah, Rufus Sport. And he might go there. But I don't want him to go because I see these, I worked at the hotels, and I see people with their eyes and this and that. And I don't, I don't want him to do it. As a mother, I don't want him to get into that. And I, I told her, I said, listen, you know, here's the problem. Here's your dilemma. It's there's no like dipping your toe into this sport. If if he if he gives it fifty percent, he's gonna get killed. He's got to go all or nothing, and he's got to go to Rufus Sport or one of those gyms to actually see how good he is. By mm-hmm. you telling him not to do it, it's not one of those things. I mean, a lot of fighters have parents that don't want them to do it, and, and sometimes they overcome it, they hide it, or wherever they still do it. Yeah, if they're driven to do it, they're gonna do it no matter what anybody says. A lot of times they get have, have dissent, and that that actually hurts them because it's very. But it's very rare that yeah, go ahead and spar down there and get some you know, yeah. get, get your bell rung a couple times. That's not not good for you. I met a girl. That's the opposite. I met this girl, uh, and she was like really bullied a lot. Her whole thing was like she was bullied and bullied and bullied. She was like chubby young girl, and. Uh, then her father, uh, she, she, she liked Ronda Rousey. She met Ronda, and Ronda met, did this whole thing with her. Then she hit me up and said, hey, I want to come on your podcast, tell my story. I wanna, I'm really good at roasting people. And I, first of all, I don't really roast people on the podcast. I, I do it on Twitter, but it's a different way. And second of all, like, as someone who gets bullied all the time, you shouldn't be worried about <laughs> roasting other people. <laughs> like, yeah, because not, you're bullying them. That, that's, you're bullying them, and, yeah. and, what you're, and you don't like being bullied, and... So then, 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 then I saw her at. Uh, I ran into her in Kansas City, the same girl and her dad. And I go, "How's it going?" She's like, "Horrible! I just got the crap beaten out of me in school." Some girl, they, she saw me and she beat the crap out of me, I, and, uh, and and it was terrible. And I saw her dad, and her dad was like, "Yeah, you know, well, what happens is, you know, she didn't see it coming. You know, she's a, my girl fights in the gym. This was a street fighter. That that's why she lost." I'm like. 
there's like a hundred things wrong with this. Number one, like you're, you shouldn't be fighting anybody. Yeah. Number two, like you shouldn't be making excuses as to why she lost, uh, saying that you do MMA fighting versus street fighting. It, it's almost like the, it's just, it was fucking bizarre. Uh, but uh, it kind of, I thought about it for a second. I, I was, picture an unhappy ending to that person. Yeah, because like, it seems like the father wants the kid to get into fighting or something, and the kid obviously just... I've seen that happen, and it's really... It's, it's almost a form of child abuse, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, coaching wrestling, you know, there's sometimes, like... Look, I think every kid in the world can benefit from wrestling, boy mm-hmm. and girl. There's mm-hmm. no, I've never met anyone who has ever come to me and said, I wrestled, and it was the worst thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always like, I wrestled for a year. I loved it. It taught me about character there's nothing wrong that you can get out of it mm. but i have had situations where the kid does not want to do it mm. and the father is like putting him into it and the kid's just the depressed mm. and you know if a kid doesn't want to be there you, you can't force him to be there mm-hmm. and i i've told parents i'm like listen are you sure your son wants to do this you know? I, had, I had a kid his father's friend of mine and he said i want you to teach my son to play drums so I said, okay, I went over there and they had a drum set and everything. So we got on the drums and I, the kid was totally not into it. And I said, do you like playing drums? He goes, no. I said, why are you doing it? Because my dad wants me to. So I said, okay, let's go back inside. And I told his dad, I said, look, the kid's not into it. Yeah. I, I don't want to keep your money. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. It's like there's so many other things the kid can do. Yeah. Now, now granted, I've had kids... Uh, I had a kid that this year that like he didn't want to do it every day. He's like, I want to quit. And kid was way overweight, and he went from crying every day in practice, and crying in matches to taking second place in the tournament, and had a big smile on his face, and mm-hmm. turned the kid's life around. Like that's what I'm. Ta- that's great. I'm talking about the kid that's like, you just does not want to. I mean, running out of the room. <laughs> I but I you know. Imagine so- you grow up, and your last name is Gracie. Yeah. And you're three years old. What are you gonna be? Here's a gee. Yeah, right. You got no choice. Right. Think yeah. They're, about, they're, think about it. They're, no, there's there's that. It was a kid. I was uh, uh, unrelated, but there was a kid one time. Me and Connor Hewn were coaching, mm-hmm. and they told us, "Hey, one of the kids in the team has autism." So there was one kid that stood out from everybody, doing always doing his own thing, running around, never listen. You know, loud, real loud, and we were kind of going out of our way to like tiptoe around the kid and mm-hmm. you know deal with them. End of the season, we find out he doesn't even have autism it was another kid that didn't know right from left <laughs> like that kid was just being a jerk the entire time are you serious yeah like, oh my god i'm like i wish you would have told us which kid had autism we were trying to figure it out it seemed like the one yeah that was like the kid who had autism was the most normal polite kid just didn't know right from left like a very like he never would have that's dark yeah it was crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, but the other kid was just a lunatic um anyway that is our our, our podcast uh this friday night i will be in tucson um, I'll be at two, in Tucson this week, uh, this Friday night, uh, two shows, one at seven, uh, one at nine o'clock. I'm at the Dime Bar every Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and then, um, I'm going to be in Seattle. Uh, I'm trying to bring up my schedule right now. It's always great when the computer doesn't work. Um, here we go. Here we go. It's finally working. I'm going to be in Seattle. Washington at the Angel of the Winds Casino. I'm going to China. If anybody's in China, but I doubt you guys are. But if you are, I'm going to Shanghai. <laughs> I'm going to Shanghai. Nice. Uh, Shanghai. I'm going to. Have you been to China? Yeah, yeah. I've been to Beijing, and uh, I've never been to Hong Kong though. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to Beijing as well. Beijing is a lot of smog. Wednesday, I'm in Cliffhanger Sports Bar and Restaurant in Linwood, Washington. Thursday, Angel of the Winds Casino. 
uh, Friday at Marina. Uh, no, I'm at the warehouse in uh, Washington. I'll find out where that is. I'm at Club Crow in Casimir, Washington, September 9th. Uh, Iowa in Dubuque, uh, Wednesday, uh, September 13th, and then September 15th to the 16th at Penguins Comedy Club in Cedar Rapids. What do you got coming up? Uh, my band Snow, which is pure uncut rock, which features myself on drums, Doug Ellison on vocals, Tony Cavazzo on bass, and Carlos Cavazzo, formerly with Quiet Riot and Rat on guitar, has our double album coming out next Friday, July 21st. Um, find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash pureuncutrock. The name of the band is Snow. And I've got two movies coming out. One's called Unlawful Justice, where I play a police detective. And it's a nice, chunky little role. And then I play a boxing referee in a movie called Glass Jaw. Kind of a nice. catchy title, right? And then uh, I have... Who, anybody a, in those movies that I've heard of? Uh, uh, who's, in the, who's in these movies? Um, it, they're independent movies, so they don't have, you know... Justin Bieber or anybody. Don't Justin. Like oh, damn. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, Justin Bieber's yeah. in it. Although I hear You're in it. That's all that matters. I hear, I hear that uh, Justin Bieber's doing the, the remake of The Godfather. So uh, you're kidding. Should, yeah. Okay. All right. Go on. He's, I, doing, I, a, he's doing a Clockwork Orange, actually. Yeah, perfect. Amazing. <laughs> Good. Good. Okay. And so, okay. And so. then uh, just that, that's it. You know, just uh, keep on rocking and rolling. You can find me. My name is Stephen Quadros, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-Q-U-A-D-R-O-S. And you can uh, Google me and, you know, come after me or whatever you want to do. Nice. Thank you. Now, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Now, if I want to see these movies, how do I see them? Uh, they're not released yet, so they're, they're going to be coming out. You should go find me on Facebook, and I'll keep you posted. Cool. Well, it's an honor to have you. Tanya Evinger, thanks for coming on the podcast. Can't wait to uh, all these girls hear about who she wants to bang and, uh, and who she doesn't want to bang. That's, that was my favorite part of the Gives show. It's a whole different meaning for <laughs> one guy. I just want to bang. Yeah, okay, exactly. I got, it. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.